kill you. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to <laughs> welcome to uh, another edition of Auntie Nanny. It's Monday night. It's a little bit after six, and with me is the best producer money can't buy, um, which is probably good because of the way the pound is moving. Very, very. How are you this evening? I'm good. You're a peasant, <laughs> but I'm good. Oh well, our. Our freaking bankers are shitting themselves, and especially our our ex Federal Reserve bankers are on. They're all over Bloomberg TV shitting themselves today, talking about going back to a gold standard. Yeah. That's some funny shit. I'm like, say we don't major, have any gold. Yeah, two two major UK banks have suspended stock trading. Yeah. Their their stock dropped so low. Barclays mm. and RBS. So yeah, well, um, this... yeah. You see, well, got it. We're talking before the show. Yeah, the only person who seemed to have prepared for the Brexit vote going the way it did was Mark Carney at the Bank of England. He, he, he'd managed to squirrel away $600 billion in readiness for the chaos. Um, but nobody else seemed to expect people to actually vote leave. So none of our politicians have got anything ready. They're all running about like headless chickens. Yeah. Uh, David Cameron burned just, us and then ran away. Went, I'm done. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm done. I'm done. I'm gonna. I'm taking my toys and I'm going home. Yeah. Yeah. It's and and in response to the Labour Party, all all Blair and Brown's little coterie have all had a huff and all left the shadow cabinet because they don't like following somebody who isn't one of them. Uh, so yeah, our two main political parties have fuck all leadership. <laughs> you know, um, during I, the current crisis. Um, so yeah. Can I say though, you made our bankers shit themselves. Oh yeah, dude, you made, you made the elite shit themselves. Not only that, four point seven billion dollars was lost by your super elite over there, and mm -hmm. China lost two point one trillion. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, right after the vote. Bang. I've never seen the markets collapse like they did. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. You've been 
Yeah, I mean, even Black Friday, the oh. the, the graphs weren't quite as downwardly trending. It's oh, uh, it's impressive. It is impressive in crypto. As the whole the whole yeah. financial sector went, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it did. You know, and um, I was I, because we're we're gonna talk about this. We have to. It's it's the news, guys. We have to talk about this. And I have no horse in any race. Because you all know I'm kind of, I'm kind of pro rule yourself. <laughs> yeah, you know, don't be a jackass. Don't hurt anybody. Don't be a jackass. Rule yourself. Um, but this is still intriguing stuff. Um, 17 billion or million people voted to leave. Yeah. That's crazy. It's a 1.6 million majority to the leave vote. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Uh, Scotland, is... Everywhere in Scotland voted to stay in, so this of course has <laughs> caused the nationalists in Scotland to go You said you we wouldn't <laughs> be leaving the EU, you've got to give us another independence referendum So yeah, the UK well, has wants to be independent from the EU, Scotland wants to be independent <laughs> but not because it wants to be in the EU well, I mean, the nationalists are insane in many ways. But, but your bank of last resort, because you don't have a bank as such in no. Scotland, right? No. So you're 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 out of the EU. Your bank of last reserve is the IMF. And yeah, if we left the UK, yeah. Right. What I'm and, saying. And we also wouldn't have a currency, because they keep saying, "Oh, we'd just use the euro or the pound," and the EU is going. No, you can't just use the euro. And the the, the UK is going, no, we're not going to let you use the pound. So we probably would be back to turnips or something. I don't know. Um, so they'd probably let us use the the euro. but and They've been told. <laughs> the day the result came in, Sturgeon went, oh, I'm talking to the EU leadership about us possibly getting some deal to stay in the EU separate from England. And they just told her, uh, no, we can't well, talk to you. You're not actually the political leader of a country because they're not independent yet. And then got told, yeah, and like we told you when you're doing your referendum, if you do leave, you're welcome to apply to join the EU, but you don't get in automatically. So, yeah, we, we could be in this situation where the UK splits off from the EU which it should do if they actually want to actually be dem democratic, but it could get blocked, uh, not by Sturgeon, despite what she says. Um, and then Scotland ends up with a referendum leaving the UK. So Scotland would then be but, off on its own completely, with no financial that. backing, the but oil price not. is still in the toilet. <laughs> but it's not just that. Ireland wants a referendum. At Northern Ireland, yeah, the nationalists yeah. there want to join back in with Ireland. Right. But, and it's yeah. not just that. There are riots happening right now in eight EU countries yep. for people that want a referendum to get the fuck out. Yeah, France, you know? Germany, Denmark, yeah. Sweden, Italy. Yeah. Uh, they probably wouldn't Spain, <laughs> but they're still busy trying to actually have a government. Um oh, well. I think they, that was the other news over the weekend. Spain has failed to vote in a government again. Um, yeah, but their choices kind of suck. Well, yeah, it's turning back into what it was like when Franco was in charge. It's basically right. turning back into a, 
totalitarian state Spain. Which is hardly surprising. Youth unemployment's above 50% there and stuff like that. Does any wonder why people in the UK were looking at the EU and going, eh, no. Well, between Spain... Spain, Portugal, Portugal. Greece, (laughs) Italy... (laughs) You know, when, when the powers that be crack down like this, at some point, you know, stress fractures occur. Yeah. People... People are like, oh no, <laughs> you're not going to give me with no, you're not going to keep me like this with no outlet. There's no money. I'm starving. Fuck this. I've got big to live for. I'm going to go out there and fucking riot. So, some if, of the Euro politicians. Whatever I can't tear down, I'm yeah. going to burn. Some of the Euro politicians are especially pissed off with our vote because, well, mainly the Polish president, who is relying on Cameron's support to help with, you know, Maybe making some changes to the EU. Because um, Poland inside. got a really had, had a really shitty Paul's joining Paul's deal, Paul's but so that's Paul's it. Paul's He's now lost his only major ally. Well, so yeah, you know, but you can't you cannot reform something from the inside. I mean, the Republicans. Well, you can, but you need to get today. a majority of the countries to yeah. be on the same page. So, <laughs> yeah. They're, they're on the page that they want the ability to say after two years or four years or six months or a year, this guy was a dick, fuck him, let's vote him out. And they yeah. no longer have that ability. Yeah. Your, your government is a puppet of a much larger group. Well, any, anyone who followed the <laughs> progress of the Tobacco Product Directive 2 mm-hmm. will know how fantastically democratic the the EU is, despite all the controls they wanted being voted away mm-hmm. by the MEPs, who are the elected representatives, mm-hmm. yeah, the European Parliament just went behind closed doors, rewrote it all, didn't do any impact studies, anything, just basically rewrote the wording and added to it. It was basically exactly the same thing. <laughs> And, and, and threatened to have a fit if that didn't get voted through, basically. You know, <laughs> but here's the thing. What you're looking at, with the e, what the EU is with its centralized power in Brussels making decisions for, like, fishing stats and everything else for different countries. Vacuum cleaners. They specify vacuum the size cleaners, of motor you can have in a vacuum cleaner. Mm-hmm. Size of light bulbs. Kettles. Power of it- toasters and cookers, exactly. ovens, you know. Well, um, I mean, this whole everything. thing. Everything. Like, in the 1940s in the United States, there was a group of people called technocrats. Okay. Um, and they thought the best way to run the world, and everyone would be happy, haha, is to run the world completely without leaders. So you would keep leaders as sort of puppets. You know, finger puppets, so that people had somebody to yell at. But you were going to make everybody's life more efficient and everyone was going to be happy. They were going to need less because experts were going to run everything. This is what you see with Brussels and the EU. They're running everything and nobody's fucking happy. Well, uh, Thomas has brought it up in chat there. Juncker. Jean-Claude Juncker. He's he's been doing this job for 20 years. He didn't get voted in. Uh, (laughs) And he's the one who's really been stirring the shit. Um, anything positive anybody said? 
about Brexit. He jumped on it, made threats. He's still doing it now. You know, you know, basically, Britain needs to be punished, and people shouldn't be allowed to vote on this kind of thing. This, well, this is what I mean, this guy says, and he's the guy who's basically top job in the EU. You're like, but our central, <laughs> our central bankers said the same thing. Yeah, our central bankers said the same thing. So I mean, if bankers are saying the same thing that the you know leaders are saying then they're all on the same page. So the, the one plus side with Jun Junker, he's being so annoying about it all, Merkel might just have him bumped off. Because she's trying to get everything calm, her and Arlande in France. The Germans and the French are trying to calm everybody down. <laughs> Meanwhile, you have the guy who's supposed to be leading the EU spouting off rubbish. Um, so the, they might just have him knocked off. He's elderly. I'm sure that they make it look like an accident. Um, maybe, maybe you know, they can ask Hillary for some references. Um, <laughs> sorry, I had to slip that one in. Hillary would probably kill him herself for a nickel. Oh, and, and Thomas has mentioned the other good one. Uh, tonight, there was another England Brexit. <laughs> EU football championships. Uh, England just got knocked out by Iceland. You know, so yeah, maybe, they've had another exit. Well, you know, maybe Iceland could have taught us all something. Oh, I Iceland's congratulating the British people on all sorts of things. Iceland should days. be congratulating the British people, and I'll tell you why. You're making the bankers shit themselves. Now, you're making them lose money because they're finally maybe waking up to the fact that people aren't enamored with their little fucking plans for them. People are not automatons or machines. They need to have a say, or they will do what you did. I mean, and well, let's uh, be after honest. after the Brexit vote, lots of the EU non-elected guys have been making a lot of noise about pushing forward with their unification strategy, How so that nobody else can escape. How can <laughs> you unify when you have countries? that are having riots in the damn street. Yeah. Doesn't that... But okay, they, they live in their little offices in Brussels. They I don't meet that, I'm, public. I'm, they don't saying, talk to them, listen to them, pay any the attention e to them whatsoever. The EU is like the United States. Honestly, the United States should split off into four different countries. Well, you it do really have, you do have people wanting different. Texit, do you not? Yes, we have people who want Texit now. <laughs> yeah, they're like, this is great. Let's have a Texit. I'm like, do you really think from the union is going to be as easy as all that? That's the thing. Secession from the union is not easy at all. Yeah, I mean, the well, one, un, well, at least with Brexit, there are actually regulations in place in the EU for countries leaving. Yeah, you don't have that in the US. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Although, Texas does have an awful lot of guns and money, so, yeah, they uh, might do okay. Um, yeah, but, you know, okay. I'm trying to find a way to explain. Does anybody, <laughs> does anybody here live on a border state with California? Because you'll understand what poor bastards. Well, if you live on a border state with California, you'll notice as the regulations and the taxes get higher, you're getting the California refugees. 
okay, who come to your state and they take the regulations and they make them the same as where they came from and then they have to go flee somewhere else after they've made everywhere the exact same like big pot of shit that California is. They're called Californicators because of that. Yeah. Um, you know, they just do that. No, we don't get to vote for our federal government. Go to YouTube and look at the ballot stealing videos. And every year, every time there's an election, you can just go look at these things. Nothing happens. Nobody gives a shit. Ah, but do you have the pencil conspiracy theorists over there? No, we have actual film of, like, yeah. ballots being lit on fire, whole ballot boxes being dumped into the Chicago River, ballot yeah. boxes being stuffed, people pulling boxes of ballots out of their car and walking them into an, electo, an elected official and them sticking them back with the rest of them. So, I mean, we have films of this kind of thing all over the place. Yeah. They're actually happening, you know, but nobody gives a shit and nothing happens. Well, I mean, for the audience, I mean, I discussed this with John last night. But yeah, the UK used to be have the most corrupt democracy in history up until Robert Mugabe. Um mm -hmm. <laughs> you can look it up in history books, you know, rotten boroughs, um, but it was eventually reformed with a combination between um, up-and-coming politicians, the pits, young and elder, um, and rich people realising if they didn't change the system, their servants were going to murder them in their sleep, and that wouldn't be good socially. Um, <laughs> But you they wouldn't be able to have a nice party if their head's been chopped <laughs> off, you know. So, UK voting reform means we have a really, really robust system. Despite this, we still get conspiracy nuts. The big, the big one that happens at every single election, and it happened at this one as well, was people go on about the pencils. When you go to vote in the UK, if you go, if you're not doing postal. You go to the voting booth, and there's tied-down pencils. Okay. Um, you know, like you get in a lot of the yeah, larger like stores. Or, and, yeah, right. like that, but it's pencils. And people are going, oh, yeah, it's the same conservative theory. Why are they wanting us to do it in pencil? Does this mean they're going to be rubbing out the results and changing them? You're like, yeah. oh, for God's sake. <laughs> it's like, one, the pencils are not graphite pencils. They're some waxy substance similar to crayons, so they can't be rubbed out. Two, once the ballot actually goes into the box, <laughs> there are so many people watching those boxes, there is no way <laughs> it can be messed with. Um, because un unlike many places, the UK, any political party can have a representative watching the ballot being done and the count being done. So unless you want to bribe several thousand people, what, hundred, maybe a, as many as a hundred thousand across the whole mm -hmm. country, right. you're not going to be able to change those ballots once they're actually in those boxes. <laughs> so, yeah. It, but you still get the conspiracy theorists. <gasps> Pencils! Oh, they could rub out the results. Um... um insane all i can say is you know it's still a better system than what we have here if, well as i say it, we've only got such a good people, system because 
because we had yeah. such huge corruption in the past. Right. Well, mm. but I mean, here we have voting machines that, of course, we've talked about before. Anybody yeah. can break in and hack. Um, not just can anybody break in and hack them, but say you go in and you vote undecided. There is an algorithm put into these ballots, into, into these systems that takes the undecided vote and assigns them to Hillary Clinton or yeah. anybody but Trump or this one or that one. And then there, it's just a really screwed up system. I've seen film of it. Yeah. And uh, it, it's an impossible system. So, I mean, well, the, the people in at charge least of, here, I know our vote does not count. But go ahead. The, the, the Electoral Commission in the UK who are in charge of polling. Yeah, they keep getting asked why they don't have electronic machines. And yeah, they keep coming back with the result. There isn't one available at the minute that we trust. That's unhackable, exactly. Yeah. So they They're... stick with a paper and pen. Pencil. Oh, yeah. that's that's our thing about the voting booths, by the way. You don't have to use the pencil they supply. You can take along it's your own pen. Down. Although, yeah, Thomas mentioned it. There was one woman, somebody called the police on her, for standing outside a polling station handing out pens. Which is amusing on many, many levels. Um, yes, I'm, I'm sure yeah. those pens were equipped with auto writers to just. I was just one of the mad conspiracy theorists who's like, no, you've got to do it in ink because, you know, then they can't change it. I had a, a jokey conversation with somebody on Twitter about it involving Tipex and MI5. Because um, they were like, haha. MI5 will just change the pen ballots with Tipex. And I was like, no, they can't. What with the funding cuts? They can't afford um, brand name white out anymore. So, you know, they're on generic and the, the ink colour <laughs> seeps through. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it. this whole thing, you had to know it was coming, though, right? Oh, well, you should have planned for it happening. But apparently, apart from Mark Carney, nobody bothered. Um, but that's, no, but I'm saying, literally, yeah. discontent has never been higher. Not just here, yeah. around the world. I've never seen. Well, as I say, I was looking situation. on on the day of the ballot. It wasn't even the day of the vote. But on the day of the ballot was happening. You know, the news sites in the UK were putting up all the stories about discontent in other countries, and it's like in Germany, forty-eight percent of people distrust the EU. France, it's like 46% or something. Greece, they didn't even bother asking the Greeks. They knew what the answer would be. Um, <laughs> Italy's up somewhere around 50% as well. There's all these countries, and they all hate the EU. But And now, but, now loads of them are asking for their own referendums. So. But every country hates the government it has. I mean, look at yeah. my Congress here. My Congress has a 9% approval rating. When I do 9% well in my job, I get fired. Here yeah. they just keep getting voted back in. And I don't know whether that's because people are, like, lazy and stupid, which I think that might be true. I mean, just as a, as a general thing, how many people have got the time to sit down and look at someone's voting record before they go to vote? Yeah. Almost no one does. Oh, and also with the Brexit, I have to mention some of the other fallout. Okay. Right. So you have young people complaining that the old people have destroyed their future because we're going to have to live with this decision for the longest. Mm -hmm. So, well, it's a shame only 36% of you bothered to get off your arse and vote then. 
<laughs> is the reply lots of people are giving. Um, I haven't actually given that to anyone directly, but yet yeah, run through my mind when I saw the numbers. Um, they've had protests over it. A petition got raised in the UK Parliament asking for <laughs> you know about this one, asking for it for for a second referendum, uh, which then got hacked by 4chan users. 4chan. <laughs> I did, yeah. Yes, what is it? Um, three thirty-eight thousand people in the Vatican City signed that petition. The Vatican City, which has a population of eight hundred. Yeah. Fifty-seven thousand people in North Korea. Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, yeah, you can tell that's a fortune so, script. And the best bit about that petition, that. it was set up before the vote yeah. by somebody who was expect he was in the Brexit camp, he wanted to leave, but he thought everybody would vote Remain. That's what I mean, everybody didn't think it would happen. So he'd set it up in case Remain had won. Yeah. So he'd ask for a second referendum. Um, so yeah, it's just insane over here. Um Lots of parody petitions have now been started, including one this very evening, uh, one a petition for a replay between Iceland and England in the <laughs> soccer. Um, so yeah, it's 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 crazy. We even have there was a Labour MP, and uh -huh. top from Tottenham in London, and there's a petition about him now as well, who basically said, "We can't do this. This is mob rule." We've got to stay in. We have to, you know, ignore the vote. Like, you're, no, you're an ignoring MP? the vote is mob rule, correct? Yeah, he's an MP and he doesn't know what democracy is. So, yeah, There's a great. fucking shot. So there's a petition asking well, for our... him to get booted out. Um... <laughs> you know, our bankers definitely don't know what democracy is. I mean, that's not a shock. And, and well, you don't expect bankers and businessmen are worried that much about democracy but, but, but you're politicians it's kind of important politicians don't give a fuck they're no you they're know, supposed between to between the politicians and the court system they're stripping away our fourth amendment they're going after every other amendment we have um i i it scares me when they're beating the fourth so much though yeah our right to Oh, I mean, this this, this story is going to run on for months now. I mean... Oh, yeah. Well, for a start, David Cameron's stepping down, and he okay. said he isn't going to pull the trigger on the actual exit, which but is a thing called Article 50. Of, right, Article of 50 has to be tree. pulled by someone. Yeah, uh, he, he's not doing it. He says it's the, it's the job of the next leader of the country. And he isn't stepping down till October because they need time to get candidates oh. and a vote. And so he's just going to hide under. He's basically passed the back. Yeah, he's like, not my problem, nothing to do with me. It's like you're the one who started it, you prick. <laughs> not really. He's the one who decided to allow people to have a vote. Well, the unfortunate and, part and is really... you don't have a rigged voting system. Right. For people who don't know UK political history, Conservative Party. Back when the UK joined the EU, there was a split in the Conservative Party. There was those um, more right-wingers who really didn't like the idea of somebody else telling them what to do, unsurprisingly. <laughs> I'm sure you're familiar with that. Mm -hmm. And then the more centrist um, Conservatives. 
Now, the more centrist, believe it or not, most people won't believe this, believe it or not, the centrists have mostly been in charge in the last 43 years in the Conservative Party. Seriously? Yeah. The more liberal ones have basically so been in charge. What what does your right wing look like? Like Nigel Storm? Farage? So He's ex conservative. Your, your right wing looks like Stormfront then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so yeah. So basically what's happened in the run up to the last general election and the one before, the right wing were getting really annoyed with not getting their way, basically. So, they basically, loads of them split off and formed UKIP for a start. Uh, if people don't know who UKIP are, yeah, don't look it up. You won't like it. Um, so, it's kind of like the Tea it. Party, but really possibly wasn't... not quite as sane. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't really anything wrong with the Tea Party till they got co-opted. I mean, and yeah. that's the problem with any gen genuine movement is... Whoever's in power decides to come along. So, yeah. So, some split off, but some stayed in the Conservative Party, but started to rumble about rebelling and screwing up votes for the Conservative Party. So, Cameron, in his immense wisdom, to appease these right-wingers and to potentially curb UKIP, that's why he gave the referendum as a a manifesto pledge for the election. So he promised this referendum would happen. Uh, it's happened. It didn't go the way he wanted or loads of other people wanted. So now he's just thrown all the toys out the pram and run off and hid. But he's not the only one. Your politicians are hiding from you. Yes. For the they're most they're part. all just our, all the their heads down going. Our like. chancellor, the guy who's supposed to be in charge of the money, nobody heard from him from Friday through to today. <laughs> he was getting his money out of his Swiss bank account and ready to find somewhere to run to. No, because as I say, none of them had come up with a plan for people actually voting leave. So he's no, no, no. busy I mean, desperately his... writing something to shit. I mean, we need a plan. <laughs> no, I mean his personal money. Yeah. And also, um, also of course, it was the weekend. What what politicians normally rely on is in the UK civil servants, your bureaucrats, is to have them there to answer questions and look up stuff. But of course, it was the weekend, so most of them weren't working. Um, <laughs> so, so our our ruling party, nothing the whole weekend, nothing from them. Apart from TV appearances from the ones who are desperately trying to be in public, so maybe they'll get a position in the new um, cabinet. So, Anna Subri made a lot of appearances over the weekend. I'm sure I you remember her. I can't stand that bitch. Yeah, the yes. woman who didn't know e-cigs were still in the TPD. Yes. When she passed it through. Yes. So, yeah, yeah she's been on TV a lot over the weekend. Does she realize the possibility that maybe Vapors voted to leave the EU? Oh no. Shit. She, she is she, she is kind of like Sarah Palin. You know. She knows like two things. Uh, and if you ask her about anything else she'll get an answer about the two things she knows about. That's Anna Subri. Actually I think Sarah Palin might actually be rather intelligent 
considering some of the people I talk to on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so. so the only the only politicians we we saw the whole weekend were all the blowhard ones, who are just jockeying for a position. Isn't uh, Anna Subri in charge of? Military Small business. Something. No, no, she got moved on from military. She got moved on from the military. Luckily, okay. and so got put in charge of small business. Where she could do less damage than she did with public health. Yeah, she's been getting slowly, basically, put in positions that are further and further away from actual decision-making. Because, yeah, yeah, she's completely clueless. Um, That's what you want in, in, in a cabinet member. We actually had a political journalist because she'd seen Subri on a couple of these shows. We had a political journalist, I can't remember which newspaper it was, saying, oh, Subri would be a good choice for the new leader of the Conservatives. Everybody's like, what? what? <laughs> well, at least she's standing up and voicing her opinion. It's not her opinion, she's just saying whatever she thinks people want her to say. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know, but I've got to say, you know... I, so yeah, it's a I, mess I, over here. The little guy always gets fucked in this. Yeah. You were getting fucked by the EU taking, you know, most of the money and giving you none of the decisions. Oh, no, no, no. They weren't taking as much money as a lot of people claim. But they were taking money and producing shit regulations in return for the most but part. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You guys were getting... And did you have any voice in those regulations at all? But technically, yes. But Ministers no. in charge can stop legislation going through. But... In the right, case of the TPD, that was Subri, yeah. and we know how well that went. <clears throat> yes, you have a voice, but not really. <laughs> yeah. So, I think people are just... We have MEPs who just are basically there for window dressing and have meetings. <laughs> uh, it's the, the bureaucrats the... that make all the decisions, and the ministers from each country then pass or fail legislation. Mostly it just gets rubber stamped and thrown through. Unless somebody makes a big stink. So, yeah. yeah now, that's the UK. I've no idea how the rest of Europe's doing. Because you know how media is. Uh, I've heard bits and pieces. So I've no idea how somebody like Thomas, I don't know how his country's doing after this. I'm sure it's not fantastic, though. Well, looking at Zero Hedge, they don't... Germany just from the statements I'm seeing in, in foreign press, don't seem very happy. And well, no, because I, I told you before the show, a lot yeah. of the monetary commitments that the UK had been covering, yeah. yeah, somebody else has got to cover them now. And since Germany's the only country with any money, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah the, Merkel's not very happy at all. Um, I don't blame her. I mean, I don't... This, the EU, was kind of a shit sandwich for everybody unless you were a business owner. I mean... Or, or a member of the European Parliament. Oh, I don't mean the elected ones. No. Although they do quite well out of all of expenses. Um, yeah. I mean the bureaucrats, like Juncker, yeah. who's basically appears to have a job for life, even though he can get away with saying the most outrageous anti-democratic shit. Oh, I don't like. know. I, I think I think there are politicians in Japan who say shit much worse. Like, when are the old people going to die? Yeah, but he <laughs> might lose the last election. <laughs> At least he can I, be I, voted out. <laughs> I don't know about that either. I don't know how true that Japan's is. Japan's shitting itself as well. They really are. 
upon them. Well, everybody's shitting themselves. This was not this was not part of the big game plan. Yeah. Big game plan to sock every fuck up the banks make, real estate markets make to the taxpayers. Now the taxpayers are saying, No, we've had it. Fuck you. And this was not part of their plan. These people don't know what to do with that when faced with opposition. They they just have no freaking clue. Yeah. Oh the the best the best the best one. Right, so seven AM Friday morning, UK. We're leaving the EU. By lunchtime, I think there's several dozen big European countries, including as Thomas will know. The auto manufacturers were immediately going, no, no, quick, come and talk to us. We want a trade deal. Because <laughs> we're their biggest market. <laughs> so all this stuff about, oh, well, if you leave, you'll have to do, you'll lose all this business. I so, don't, yeah. I don't think, honestly, when one domino gets out of line, they all start falling. And I don't think they know what to do with that. They don't know what to do. And this is, you know what cycles theory is. Yes. Okay. Well, you know what cycles theory is. I know what cycles theory is. It's basically pi times time in history. So it's been about, it should be about 2016 is going to be the monetary crisis. And we see that happening now because of Brexit. 2017 is going to be the crisis of faith in government. And that's going to be worldwide. And that's going to be... Yeah, does anyone remember this thing, the Great Depression? Yeah. Uh, We're kind of on that cycle, yeah. Yeah, well, we've kind of... We've never recovered from the last, what they call, uh, recession. Yeah. Where the numbers were just as bad as the Great Depression. Yes. 2017 for politics is going to be about the worst year. 2016 was pretty bad because this is this is why in my country. Well, Thomas you saw is it. going to be loving 2017. He's got an election. <laughs> Germany's got an election. I think France has got an election. That's, uh, that's, Italy that's as well, I think. Going to be an interesting. So thing. yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what all the political parties get up to in in the aftermath of this mess. Um, but but this was this was a pie cycle. This was yeah. a high cycle. The, the banks and the the elite continued their fuckery for as long as they could. The pie cycle happened, and they couldn't do it anymore. Something was bound to stop them, and it just happened to be Brexit. Yeah, and Michael Morris has brought it up. Yeah, the the financial markets have yeah. been yeah. throwing it, numbers around all over the place to try and yep. stop yeah. a big collapse happening, oh, yeah. and they're just oh. going to make it worse when it does happen. So... Let me put it to you this way. Walmart and PayPal are accepting Bitcoin now. Yep. That's how good real currency is doing. So You can use Bitcoin you know. on eBay. Yes. I mean, because of pay- the PayPal thing. It's, yeah. yeah. Um, some mainstream shops in are the EU have started Bitcoin. taking Bitcoin. Yeah. I well. mean, so, yeah. can you... You can't really freaking blame them. It's completely decentralized. No government has their hand in it. There's no way to really get a taxable receipt for it. It's just one Bitcoin wallet to another Bitcoin wallet. It's there. Yeah, it's not. It, get, it gets hacked once in a while, but less rarely than the financial markets fuck up. So, yeah. 
well at the moment anyway no i i agree with you thomas about elections and your only choice is being evil or super evil well you know here we have <laughs> you must there. have enjoyed trump putting his foot in it in scotland oh, yeah though. Because yeah. just Every... to add to our woes over the referendum, we had Trump visiting as well. <laughs> and yeah, he he was lucky to get out alive because it was <laughs> Scotland, and he said something very stupid. So yeah, he does say stupid. You've taken back your country. Fantastic. We, we voted didn't... to stay. Fuck with. <laughs> yeah, well, you you, know... you you saw some of this. Um, I, yeah. I talked briefly with it with Kevin last night, and he brought up one of the pictures: the woman standing next to the golf course. Mm -hmm. Trump, you're a cunt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Excuse the language, there, folks. No, I mean, but, what, yeah. what were I they am reporting calling? news. They were, calling, they were <clears throat> calling him like butt plug face. On uh, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It was, well, as I said on Kevin's show, this, nobody swears like Scottish people. Nobody. We, we, if we want to insult you, we, oh boy, we've got words for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. The best, um, the best. I did tell this on Kevin's show as well. The funniest bit about the Trump visit was when his plane landed. Somebody had hired a mariachi band <laughs> and had a barrel, a wheelbarrow full of bricks, waiting for him to get off his plane. And the neighbours on his golf course in Aberdeenshire, which were, wasn't the one he was visiting, Mexican flags. they'd put up flagpoles with Mexican flags. Yeah. Oh God! Including the farmer who, um, the farmer who, who's been fighting in the courts for so long about you know Trump wanted his land. This guy went. They fuck hired off a repeatedly. mariachi band. I love yeah. mariachi. Oh, and music. yeah, Thomas mentioned it. Um, a British comedian, um, whose main character, because a lot of our comedians, as you know from, yeah, Bor um, Borat and Ali G like having a character so this guy had dressed up in a suit and was giving out golf balls with swastikas on them um <laughs> and had got escorted out by trump's security uh, <laughs> although trump's security yeah they were close to getting themselves in trouble a few times trying to remove people because of course our laws are not the same as america's laws yeah so well, yeah I mean, I mean yeah they were close to they being well still end up, some of the security staff may well be, end up getting um, charged with assault. I don't understand. Why would he go to why would he go to Scotland? Well, he was reopening Turnberry Golf Course. He just spent a few million um, doing it up. Sticking his name on the side of it. All the usual stuff he gets up to. Um, and was having a big thing about how great his golf courses are. Oh. Where you have the British tax authorities going but in your paperwork to us, you say all these things make a loss. <laughs> and in his, that was something that came up actually. And in his, um, for his presidential race, the financials, he reported to the yeah, election yeah. guys in the US said he was, was making millions. millions yeah. So people were then asking, well, why is the two numbers different? <laughs> it's why called, are you saying, you, yeah, it's creative it's accounting. It's creative accounting, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Yes, it's what your dodgy banks get up to. Yes. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> they're doing an awful... I bet they're doing a roaring trade at the moment. Yeah. Well, I... <laughs> Money will be travelling offshore faster than it ever has before. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Well, unfortunately, we, we have a weak dollar. You you have a, a weak pound. We have a weaker dollar. And the more money that travels to America, the worse for us. Hey, hey, it's down to $1.23 for a pound at the minute. <sighs> so, That's the lowest it's been in ages. Oh, you know what I need to do then? I need to get some candy floss flavoring then. It's so expensive to buy normally. Well, I was going to say, anyone in the US who likes anything that's made in the UK, now would be a really good time to buy it. Because <laughs> um, our companies really want to sell abroad because the pound's yeah. weak. So, yeah. Well, I mean, sure. and candy, you can't you can't make a candy floss flavoring as, as good as the flavoring that's sold there. Yeah. Because we don't really have candy floss here. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? We have yeah, something have, like it, but it's not quite it. Yeah. You have toffee type yeah, stuff it's rather not, than proper sugar candy. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, yeah. it's not yeah, it's not it's not quite right. You know. Um so yeah, I Dicton Vapors. Yes. Nice flavoring house. Yeah. Buy all her yeah. stuff now while you still can. Right, um. <laughs> oh God! You know I don't. I say I, I bought I bought a I bought a new atomizer earlier, and what yeah. with the exchange rate, it cost me about one pound fifty more today <laughs> than it would have if I'd bought it last week. You know. Terrible. This is this is bad. Yeah. This is bad. But the last time, and I'm I'm trying to find good things here. <laughs> the last time. Anything of this nature happened, it, it happened here. Yeah. Now it's happening there. Um, China and Asia in general, probably next. I, so I say they've had the biggest losses, I think, on their stock markets. So, yeah. Their, their economies are not... The Chinese government is very, very unhappy. The Japanese government's very, very unhappy. You know what I like about China? You can look at them on Google Earth one day and, and look down at a street and see, like, housing development. Two days later, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> That's just interesting about China. But, um, yeah, no, what I'm, that wasn't what I meant. I meant the last time anybody stood up and said, Oh, right, yeah. Fuck you, we want, we want you know, we want to have our say it was here. Now it's you guys. I mean, I'm I'm proud. Proud of you. You know, whether you <laughs> voted for it or not. Um, Don't tell the young people you said that. They'll get awfully upset. Well, I'm sure young people are pissed off at me on a regular basis because the only people I get along with are older than me anyway. So, you know, being pissed off at me, uh, yeah, okay, oh, that, oh, that hurts. I have to bring this up. One of the okay. best signs I saw right uh -huh. saturday young people decided to have a protest about it in london and much it's like what happened space. in the referendum only 50 people turned up um, which made the vapors feel better because even our protests get more than that um but some of the signs were it's like one of them that the police took off somebody because we have laws about what you can say in public um, you know, incitement to hatred and all that kind of thing. One of them had a handwritten sign saying, old white people die. Um, there was oh. another one that was like, love the oh. EU, love oh. France, love Germany, love Egypt, love Eritrea. Oh. Yeah, that okay. one got a few questions. It's like, so, white you don't even die. know which countries are in the EU and you're protesting about leaving the EU. 
white yeah. people die. Oh, oh, did you see what? It, and I really wish I didn't know this. Um, so the online presence of IS. Yeah. <laughs> the bit that hasn't has, been prettied up by. Oh no no no! This is this is the prettied up version. Oh right. Okay. They they put out their news magazine today, <laughs> and in it is an article for lone wolf jihadists <laughs> advising them to instead of picking on minorities like gay people or black people or focus on killing white people because nobody gives a shit if you kill them on mass <laughs> <laughs> i'm like oh my god what a fucking world we live in so and yeah yeah for parquet yeah Dictant vapor, yeah. But buy any flavors you want. About now, the exchange rate should be rather good. Yeah. Postage is still going to be horrifically expensive, but well, yeah, at least the actual product will be pretty cheap. Yeah. Like Although Dictant vapors aren't aren't that expensive anyway. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I always thought their flavoring was expensive, but of course, you know that. It's very expensive. concentrated, though. So totally yeah. wicked brothers, you know. Yeah. So, you realize we've talked about this for almost an hour? Yeah, it's probably going to come back up in the coming weeks, let's face it. Yeah, no, no. It is um, a huge story. So huge? huge that most of the media skirted over the fact that the Allies have taken back Fallujah. So, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> you know how it is. Whenever a story is really big, you have to look at the stuff that's not making any noise at all. Like, if it wasn't for the European football championships, really the news would have been about nothing else, really, I think. Yeah. In most of Europe this weekend. Um, well, I mean, it, it's a, it's huge. Like I said, this was not part of the plan. Yeah, so, the, the, whole, the, whole, the whole of the establishment, as they call it, just panicked you know you, like fuck. It's, it's, you, it's amazing. <laughs> you know what you did? You fed them their shock and awe. Well, no. a lot of people were deliberately voting to annoy the establishment. So, yeah. Because, yeah, I, there hasn't been as many people turn out to vote for anything in the UK since 1992. Yeah. The, the Scottish referendum had more Scottish people voting. But for UK-wide, this is the biggest vote there's been in since 92. So, yeah. Well, uh, one of the reasons... I'm sorry... Uh, one of the reasons I understand that the postage stamp price went down is that they're automating so many jobs in the postal service. Yeah. So, oh, my favorite thing, my favorite thing, before Brexit was ever a thing, did you see what the EU wanted to do with robots? Um, I vaguely remember them. Electronic persons. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Giving them rights. Yeah. Well, they wanted to give them rights. True. But they also wanted their employers to take out insurance policies on them and pay into a fund so that the people who were going to be put out of work could go on welfare yeah. without it affecting them. They were going to make it basically two or three times more expensive to hire a robot than it was to hire a person. Yeah. So that was pretty interesting. But yeah, they were going to be, um, they were going to be given robot rights. <laughs> God, I can't believe I'm saying this shit. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah, that would have made you feel real tax. good in Florida 
when, when you uh. discover that a robot in Europe has more rights than you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks for that. So I, I thought that. I should insert. I know you have a, this love-hate thing with robots, so yeah. I, it's not even a love-hate. I can't even say it's a love-hate thing. It, it's more of a, you know, it, it's kind of like when scientists say that they're going to, um, within five years, we're going to be able to completely clone a dinosaur. There's literally four movies on why you shouldn't do that. Really? <laughs> Does it seem like a good idea? See, you didn't, you didn't get the warning. This, the Spielberg thing made no impression on you at all. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm more wary about what happens when robots get to do their thing. Yeah. And, you know, this thing, that's probably why that robot was trying to run away in Russia. <laughs> it was probably trying to get to Europe, <laughs> get some rights. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If people have seen that story, it's quite funny. Oh, I don't know what's what's. Um... So the fact that it's managed to escape more than once. That's... <laughs> yeah, I know. The transhumanists are pissed because yeah. they're talking about dismantling that robot, and it, the transhumanists are also running around yelling "Justice for Tay." Remember the racist Twitter bot? Yeah. Yeah, they think she should well, be. It's not put just back that. The, the luck of that Russian robot it probably run away, ended up in Philadelphia, and ended up being dismantled there. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you remember that story. City of brotherly love, my yeah. ass. Yes, I do. I remember that hitch bot. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Went all around the world till it got to Philadelphia. Yeah. 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 And then it, it got, got jacked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you can you can count on humans to act compassionately towards others. I guess is the role. Um, you know, there's no Kasa update tonight. I think everybody was. I think we filled in quite well, though. We did. I was going to say, uh, yeah. If you didn't notice already, sorry about your luck. Okay. Although I will bring up something that's kind of vaping related. Go everybody, on, go. go and have a read of that new study that's come out in the EU. Six point one million people have quit smoking in the EU using e-cigarettes, and this is from official document government documentation it's not somebody's study this has come out uh oh well numbers. you know what's really <laughs> bad about that now now you've you've put the michelin man on the defensive yeah <laughs> yeah all the people that have been saying oh there's no evidence that help people quit europe 6.1 million people <laughs> yes but that's that's not and they've got the break demographic breakdowns of age use patterns everything it's fantastic beautiful all them people that say, well, we don't really know. Really? Have you not read this then? <laughs> go, go come back after you've read that. So, <laughs> should, I, should, I, should I start with Texit? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a nice transition. After Brexit, what? U.S. secessionists hankering for Texit. Emboldened by Brexit, U.S. secessionists in Texas are keen to adopt the campaign tactics used to sway the British vote for leaving the European Union and are demanding Texit comes next. The citizen-driven vote in Britain can be a model for Texas, which was an independent country from 1836 to 1845, and its 1.6 trillion year economy would be among the 10 largest in the world, said Daniel Miller, president of the Texas Nationalist Movement. The Texas Nationalist Movement is formally calling on the Texas governor to support a similar vote for Texas, the group said on Friday. The office of Texas Governor Greg Abbott 
was not immediately available for comment. <laughs> There's a shock, huh? Uh, the group, which claims about a quarter million supporters, failed earlier this year to place a vote on secession on the November ballot, but aims to relaunch its campaign for the next election cycle in 2018, buoyed by the British vote, Miller said. Texit is in the air, he said. Texit for Texas exit is a play on the British exit or Brexit and was trending on Twitter in the United States on Friday. Yeah. Dominoes. So Yay. <laughs> I did say dominoes once yes. upon falls. Okay. But I, um, I do think you, yeah, Brexit kind of works. Texit, there's actually a, a product called Texit, but with an E instead of an I. Texit. It's a little label maker. <laughs> so, yeah, they might yeah. have to rethink that. But other than that, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, so, this is interesting. Um, I said I was going to talk about Fourth Amendment stuff, so I guess I might as well just go to that, get it out of the way, because I, I the Hawaii stuff is pissing me off. There's a lot of gun stories this evening, and and it's going to upset some people, but that's that's okay. The news is not meant to um, the news is not meant to uh, make you happy. Um, okay, federal court. Fourth Amendment does not protect your home computer. In a dangerously flawed decision unsealed today, a federal district court in Virginia ruled that a criminal defendant has no reasonable expectation of privacy in his personal computer located inside his home. According to the court, the federal government does not need a warrant to hack into an individual's computer. This decision is the latest in and perhaps the accumulation of a series of troubling decisions in pro prosecutions stemming from the FBI's investigation of Playpen, a Tor Hidden Services site hosting child pornography. The FBI seized the server hosting site in 2014, but continued to operate the site. Why would you continue to commit a crime? Um, and serve malware to thousands of visitors logged into the site. The malware located certain identifying information, e.g. MAC addresses, operating system, the computer's hosting, etc., on the attack computer and sent that information back to the FBI. There are hundreds of prosecutions pending across the country stemming from this investigation. Courts overseeing these cases have struggled to apply traditional rules of criminal procedure and constitutional law to the technology at issue. Recognizing this, this is from the EFF, by the way, we've been participating in amicus briefs to educate the judges on significant legal issues these cases represent. In fact, the EFF filed an amicus brief on this very case, arguing the FBI's investigation ran afoul of the Fourth Amendment. That brief, unfortunately, did not have the intended effect. The implications of the decision, if upheld, are staggering. Law enforcement would be free to remotely search and seize information from your computer without a warrant, without probable cause, without any suspicion at all. To say the least, the decision is bad news for privacy, but it's also incorrect as a matter of law, and we expect there is little chance it would hold up on appeal. It was also not the central component of the judge's decision, which also diminishes the likelihood that it will become reliable precedent. But the decision underscores a broader trend in these cases. Courts across the country faced with unfamiliar technology and unsympathetic defendants are issuing decisions that threaten everyone's rights. As hundreds of these cases work their way through the federal court system, we'll be keeping a careful eye on these decisions, developing resources to help educate the defense bar, and doing all we can to ensure that the Fourth Amendment protections for our electronic devices aren't eroded further. 
And there have been a lot of really bad Fourth Amendment decisions recently. There was one that makes it much easier for cops to stop you in a completely arbitrary manner and search all your belongings yeah. and you. The problem, the problem in, I think it was uh, H.L. Mencken said, the problem in fighting for justice is that you have to stop horrible laws from being passed around, you know, because they're being passed about unscrupulous people. So you have to protect these horrible and hideous and awful people before the damage is done to the innocents. That's basically the gist of what he said, but that's not an exact quote. My memory isn't all that, uh, my memory's pretty good, but it's not all that good. So that's a problem. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, we, we come back to this week after yeah. week, but gee, somebody needs to do something about the judges in your country, because yeah they put out so many basically stupid decisions on a weekly basis i mean they do um the one i saw this week was the the judge who who was arguing with the guy in court with the defendant and gave him 10 years for contempt of court eventually you know there's the judge was swearing at the guy i mean yeah it's like yeah, you're supposed to be the calm one here, the arbiter, you know, and yeah. yeah. You are not the one that's supposed to be arguing with the defendant. Um, but they do. They but do. They do. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, a lot of that is because in a lot of places, anybody can become a judge. A sheriff can elect his cousin Cletus, who's, you know, basically a toe cheese picker, to be mm. a freaking judge. It It doesn't require any background or training at all yes, in a lot of places, and it really shows. Yeah, a lovely quaint throwback to your Wild West days. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if it's quaint, but it, it is what it is. Um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Facebook and Google may be using copyright scanners to suppress extremist speech. I mean, I guess the definition of extremist is up to Facebook and Google. The systems that automatically enforce copyright laws on the internet may be expanding to block unfavorable speech. Reuters reports that Facebook, Google, and other companies are exploring automated removal of extremist content that could be repurposing copyright takedown methods to identify and suppress it. It's unclear where the lines have been drawn, but the systems are likely targeted at radical messages on social networks from the enemies of European powers and the United States. Leaders in the U.S. and Europe have increasingly decried racial extremism on the internet and have attempted to enlist internet companies in a fight to suppress it. Many of these companies have been receptive to the idea and have procedures to block violent and hateful content. Neither Facebook nor Google would confirm automation of these efforts to voters, which relied on two anonymous sources who are familiar with the process. So far, major internet companies have relied on their users to flag or restrict restricted content. Earlier this year, Facebook said its users flag more than 1 million items for review every day. Twitter has been busy playing whack-a-mole against ISIS-related accounts at a furious pace, suspending 125,000 accounts as of February, and Google said it received over 75 million DMCA takedown requests in just one month in 2016. There's also a precedent for using automated systems to flag other kinds of illegal content, 
Several major internet companies, including Microsoft, Twitter, Facebook, and Google, use automated systems to identify the transmission of child pornography. But upgrading automated systems for the suppression of extremist content would be a step potentially serious with potentially serious and unknown consequences. Since existing systems that take down content for suspected copyright and other violations deal with huge volumes of information and are routinely abused to suppress legal speech. Additionally, suppression of extremist speech may contain a lot more gray area than clearly defined illegal content like pirated media and child pornography. The secret identification and automated blocking of extremist speech would raise new serious questions about the cooperation of private corporations with censorous governmental interests. Government and private individuals have already attempted in recent years to hold internet companies and service providers reliable, liable for the actions of third parties with varying degrees of success. The use right to be forgotten rule now requires companies like Google to comply with individuals who want to scrub search results that point to their sensitive information. The rule has already been abused to try to suppress journalism. Unlike measures like the right to be forgotten, which Google fought vigorously, major internet companies have signaled that their interests are closely aligned with governments that want to suppress extremist content, even if they don't want to be held liable for it. Facebook, Google, Twitter, and other companies have already agreed to work with the U.S. and European governments to fight radical propaganda and hate speech. Last year, France President Francois Hollande voted to make, um, wanted to make these companies more accountable and accomplices in hate speech. This year, Facebook, Twitter, Google, Microsoft agreed to EU regulations that require them to review and remove hateful content online and even promote independent counter-narratives to that kind of speech. At the time, Google's head of public policy said the company had always prohibited illegal hate speech and was pleased to work with the government to develop self-regulatory approaches to fighting hate speech online. The political mood in the U.S. suggests only more pressure will be put on tech companies to deal with the same issue. Oh, after a terrorist attack in a gay nightclub in Orlando earlier this month, President Obama suggested online extremism could be to blame. FBI Director James Cormery went further, saying we are highly confident that the killer was radicalized, at least in some part, through the Internet. Hillary, Hillary Clinton said as president, she would work with our great tech companies from Silicon Valley to Boston to step up our game in suppressing IS communications and mapping jihadist networks. Last December, Donald Trump said the U.S. should consider, quote, closing up the Internet. He plans on asking Bill Gates for help. Now, there's a conversation you won't film of. <laughs> Bill, Bill, you need to close down the Internet. <laughs> and the look on Bill Gates's face, that would be the money shot. Uh, Donald, yeah. fuck off! You're an idiot. Um, but yeah. yeah, the the automated blocking automated and Yeah, well, automated automated is worse than always because it removes human judgment from the equation. That's a problem. But it's it's not new. YouTube has been horrendous with mm -hmm. the the automated takedown system for years. Um. The, the latest, well, it's not latest, it's been going on for a few years now. The, the latest Nigerian scam, as it were. <laughs> I'm sure you remember the, e the spam email. I do. Their, their latest one is this people have set up offices in Nigeria, which basically automate copyright hits on people's YouTube videos, claiming, oh, that contains our work, <laughs> you know, on songs that are either... Yeah. They they are in the private domain, 
but they're not owned by these people, but these people are claiming and have forged paperwork saying, oh yeah, we own that song. Yeah. Um, VTTV got hit by a couple of those last year. Yeah. And it took months to sort it out. Because the automated system, oh, oh, you've got you've got copyrighted content, and the video's blocked, <laughs> and you can't get it back until you improve. It doesn't have the copyright material in it. It's yeah. like it's insane. Yeah, it and is. yeah, they're moving that sort of system over the rest of Google. And well, I mean, what they don't understand is people will be suppressed for so long, and then they'll go fuck it. Um, and I would recommend, uh, if you use Tor, be aware, um, it looks like CIA is, like, hanging out in Tor. Not that anybody uses Tor that much anymore, not since, you know, all the scandals. You do know what I'm talking about. Yeah. All the people involved with Tor who've been, Yeah basically forced to step down from their positions because of sex abuse allegations etc 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 and that makes me really sad because um i used to really like jacob applebaum to explain a lot of this stuff and the fact that he's been accused of, of sexual abuse and stuff it, it makes it really hard for me to share his videos because he could explain to our stuff like nobody else i've ever seen so. um luckily there are there are others. There's at but... least one other decent darknet browser available, and there are a couple of others that should be out sometime in the next year or so. So, yeah. Well, so the, the thing... CIA the CIA's code won't won't matter right. as much anymore. But so. what I'm saying is kind of the thing. The thing governments never plan on is when they suppress freedom, people go fuck it, and yeah. they go look for something else, and they will go to the darknet. One way or another. Okay, so this is one story, and then I'll read the bigger story. Um, this is about the DHS person. A DHS employee arrested after bringing gun, knife, radios into D.C. headquarters. Authorities are investigating a Department of Homeland Security employee with top-secret clearance after he was caught bringing a gun, knife, infrared camera, pepper spray, and handcuffs into the agency's headquarters in Washington, D.C., CBS News reported Wednesday. Government officials said in court documents that the investigators had probable cause to pursue a probe after Jonathan Winky entered the building June 9th with the contraband. Federal investigators are looking into whether Winky was conspiring with another to commit workplace violence, and more particularly, may have been conspiring or planning to commit violence against senior DHS officials in the building, according to the court filings. Winky, an analyst in the Office of Intelligence and Analysis, was charged June 10th with carrying a firearm without a license. He has been placed on administrative leave while the investigation proceeds. Federal officials searched Winky's home in Martinsburg, West Virginia. It is unclear whether officers found evidence in the house. A DHS Special Agent Eric Mann outlined potential crimes in his affidavit for a search warrant, including an attempt and conspiracy to assassinate, kidnap, assault, or assault, a member of the executive branch of the government, false imprisonment of a federal officer, and possession of a firearm in a federal facility. So, this is... I, I didn't pop this in the show notes, so I had to go pull it. Um, that story is technically right. This 
is the larger story. No, I, I agree. Mr. Applebaum's personal life has nothing to do with the tour project, nor should it. Um, and he's great for explaining this stuff. I still think there's nobody like him for explaining this stuff, which is why I still like to point to his videos, but people come back with, you know, all these horrible smeary type things, um, which is kind of funny to me. And I don't know. It's just weird. Anyway, um, that is the larger story I stuck in chat from CBS, and I'll read a little bit of that. DHS worker with top clearance caught on the verge of staging attack. Federal prosecutors are investigating whether a Department of Homeland Security employee with top security clearance was planning on attacking the agent at the agency in Washington headquarters when he entered the building with a gun, knife, infrared camera, pepper spray, and handcuffs. Jonathan Winky, an analyst in the Office of Intelligence and Analysis, allegedly carried the weapons into the building on the morning of June 9th. Court documents filed by the federal government state that investigators have probable cause to believe Winky was conspiring with another to commit workplace violence and more particularly may have been conspiring or planning to commit violence against a senior DHS official. Bill Miller, a spokesman for the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia, declined to comment on the documents. He said Winky was charged on June 10 with carrying a pistol without a license and was released on June 13 pending further court proceedings. The case remains under investigation. Scott McDonald, a spokesman for the Department of Homeland Security, said Winky had been placed on administrative leave. The federal government searched his home in Martinburg, West Virginia, a 75-mile commute from the office. In an affidavit for the search warrant, um, Security Special Agent Eric Mann described the series of events that led the government to suspect Winky was potentially plotting an attack. At 7.30 a.m. on June 9th, Winky entered the building, which had a security level on par with the White House and Pentagon, according to Mann's affidavit. Security measures include random searching at the door. Winky was selected, and his backpack was placed in a screening machine. Security officers found a folding knife with a three-inch blade, two handheld radios, pepper spray, an infrared camera, and a set of handcuffs, among other items the affidavit says. says. The officer seized the knife and spray. At 9 a.m., man and another officer followed up with Winky at his cubicle directly across from where senior officials were meeting the document site. He gave them permission to search them and denied he was carrying any additional weapons, the affidavit alleged. Man wrote that he patted Winky down and discovered a five-shot revolver loaded with 22 caliber hollow-point bullet rounds in the pocket of his pants. He wrote that he heard Winky utter an audible expletive. Man who answered the phone number listed for Winky hung up when asked for comment Tuesday evening. An email sent to Winky was not immediately returned. In his affidavit for a search warrant, Man listed the potential crimes as attempt and conspiracy to assassinate, kidnap, or assault a member of the executive branch of the government, false imprisonment of a federal official in possession of a firearm in a federal facility. It's unclear in the documents what officers found in his home or whether prosecutors intend to pursue additional charges. So I don't know about you, but I feel really, really safe with the Department of Homeland Security in charge of my security. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's... Hey, do you We've think said he was it on before. the watch list? Yeah, these government employees. He probably was on a watch list, <laughs> but we won't know until the court case happens and the media get hold of it all properly. <laughs> but yeah, we'll probably f we'll probably find he'll be another of these um, crazies with a list of dubious connections stretching back years. Yeah, 
but maybe. but he worked in one of the most secure buildings in in the country. It's like, yes. Uh -huh. Right. Exactly. The one that gets me is the random searching thing. Right. It's it's like, oh, he's right. randomly picked, and so he had to Search. put his bag through a scanner. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, any secure building I've know of in the UK, everybody's stuff has to go through a scanner. It's not just random. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, how come this top secret high security building it's only done randomly? <laughs> it's like uh-huh. Yeah, that that's worrying on many levels. Worrying on many levels. You're so cute. Yeah. <laughs> I have a real problem with these people being in charge. Seventy two people that work for the Department of Homeland Security are on the terrorist no fly list. That's a problem. Right. Yeah, but as we discussed last week, yeah. No, no, I know. There's no good way great. to get off it. And some of them might be on there like... due to office, you know, Christmas party pranks and the like. So, yeah, well, who right. knows? <laughs> I understand that, but I'm saying, you know, when you look at what the government wants to do to people, they yeah. want to put us, most of us, on that list. There's no way to get off it. We talked last week about a little eight year old boy who's been on the list since he was born and has not been able to get off that list. Yeah. That's a problem. Now, this guy, whether he was on the terrorist watch list or not, definitely needed to be on it, apparently. Yeah, he was definitely <laughs> up to something. That's, yeah. that's safe to say. Because so. for an analyst, those were not the normal <laughs> tools of his profession. Yeah. I if mean, he'd I... had a laptop, maybe we could have understood. But <laughs> guns, paper spray, handcuffs, cameras, yeah, it's a bit odd. That's... Well, if he's an analyst, I mean, the person asked if this is normal normal equipment for the office would be Edward Snowden, right? Yeah. He could answer if that's normal analyst work wear, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't think it is. No. So, yeah. Especially, well, the, the pepper spray is the kind of giveaway one there. <laughs> so, and, and, unless he was worried about sexual assault in the office. Then the DHS is even worse than I ever imagined. Yeah. But why the handcuffs? There may be sexual assault, do <laughs> <laughs> So that you think that'll be a stock answer? That's pretty fun. Okay. This is from Tax Office Type Pad. Sticking this in here so you can see the numbers. I'm not going to read the numbers. I just want you to look at the numbers. I'm going to read this and then I'll read the larger story that it's connected to. Why does the IRS need so many guns? Wall Street Journal op-ed, Why Does the IRS Need So Many Guns by Tom Coburn. It's out of Open the Books. Special agents at the IRS, equipped with AR-15 military-style rifles. Health and Human Services Special Office of the Inspector General Agents are being trained by the Army Special Forces contractors. The Department of Veteran Affairs arming 37,000 employees. The number of non-defense department federal officers authorized to make arrests and carry firearms, 200,000, now exceeds the number of U.S. Marines. <laughs> 182,000. In its escalating arms and ammo stockpiling, this federal arms race is unlike anything in history. 
Over the last 20 years, the number of these federal officers with arrest and firearm authority has nearly tripled to over 200,000 today from 74,500 in 1996. What exactly is the Obama administration up to? I didn't write this. On Friday, June 17th, our organization, American Transparency, is releasing its OpenTheBooks.com oversight report on the militarization of America. The report catalogs federal purchases of guns, ammunition, and military-style equipment by seemingly bureaucratic federal agencies. During a nine-year period through 2014, we found 64, six, I'm sorry, 67 agencies unaffiliated with the Department of Defense spent nearly $1.48 billion on guns and ammo. Of that, $335.1 million was spent by agencies traditionally viewed as regulatory or administrative, such as the Smithsonian Institution and the U.S. Mint. Some examples of the spending from 2005 to 2014 raise the question, who are they preparing to battle? The Internal Revenue Service, which has 2,316 special agents, spent nearly $11 million on guns, ammunition, and military-style equipment. That's nearly $5,000 in gear for each agent. People from both ends of the political spectrum have expressed alarm at this trend. Conservative argue that it's hypocritical, unconstitutional, and costly for political leaders to undermine the Second Amendment while simultaneously equipping non-military agencies with heavy weapons, hollow-point bullets, and military-style equipment. Progressives, like Senator Bernie Sanders, have raised civil liberties concerns about the militarization of local police with vehicles built for war and other heavy weaponry. Meanwhile, federal authorities are silent on the growing arsenal at federal agencies, in fact, we asked the IRS for an asset accounting of their gun locker, their guns and ammunition asset inventory by location. Their response, we don't have one inventory, but we could create one for you if it's important. Our data shows that the federal government has become a gun show that never adjourns. Taxpayers need to tell Washington that police powers primarily belong to cities and states, not the feds. Okay, so there's more to this that wasn't in this. That was chopped up in bits and pieces for the type pad story. But the reason I linked to the type pad story is that it has the IRS breakdown, okay, in there so you can see it. Okay, so we get down to here. Um, the Internal Revenue Service, which has, okay, da, 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 okay, the Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service spent $4.77 million purchasing shotguns, 308 caliber rifles, night vision goggles, propane cannons, liquid explosives, pyro supplies, buckshot, LP gas cannons, drones, remote control helicopters, thermal cameras, military waterproof thermal infrared scopes, and more. The Environmental Protection Agency spent $3.1 million on guns, ammunition, and military-style equipment. The EPA has spent nearly $800 million since 2005 into its Criminal Enforcement Division. The Food and Drug Administration employs 183 heavily armed special agents. The University of California, Berkeley, required, acquired uh, 100 and... Um, uh, assault rifles and Yale University police accepted assault rifles from the Defense Department. Texas Southern University and Saddleback College police even acquired mine-resistant vehicles. 
other paper-pushing federal agencies with firearm and arrest authority that have expanded their arsenal since 2006 include the Small Business Administration, the Social Security Administration, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, the Education Department, the Energy Department, the Bureau of Engraving and Printing, National Institute of Standards and Technology, and many others. Now, I can kind of understand NIST because remember last year we talked about NIST, uh, that guy who took over one of the abandoned offices at NIST and was manufacturing methamphetamines. Yeah. So I can almost understand NIST. Um, so maybe that's... we've got it all wrong. Maybe it's not a problem. Maybe maybe they're they know something we don't, and they're preparing for the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> I don't problem with that. You know, like you know, some of them are gonna combine and rename themselves Umbrella Corporation. I don't know. <laughs> you know, here's the thing with that. I I'm not opposed to. I'm not opposed to people being armed at all. Okay. I am opposed to the federal government with its offices of the FDA, etc., which aren't actually technically legal, according to my constitution. If, if that's what we're supposed to be using as the rule of law in this country, we've abandoned it. But I have a problem with the powers that a sheriff should have or a police officer should have being given to these federal agencies. It takes power away from the states. That's wrong. That's not supposed to happen. There's supposed to be an equal division of power. You know, they're not supposed to be able to lord over us. That's not supposed to happen. I do have a question. Okay. Anyone listening, you know, yeah, I, I can only assume uh, Texas uh, Southern University and Saddleback College must be have really, really good parties. They don't. Because, you mean, know, they, they need MRVs. <laughs> <laughs> the parties are so wild. We need armored vehicles. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. They, do, they don't need that. Though. Okay. I'm not really sure I want to talk about why it bothers me. Maybe, maybe we'll do Philadelphia first, and then I'll do Hawaii, because Hawaii is really... I find what Hawaii is doing uh, rather upsetting. <clears throat> Beyond Philly, other cities already looking to duplicate soda tax plan. Even before the ink was dry on Philadelphia's new soda tax ordinance, other cities were looking to copy it. Before they do, though, they might want to wait and see how things turn out in the first major American city to pass such a tax. Already, the Philadelphia soda tax is a major victory for the pro-tax crowd. Over the past eight years, cities have made more than 40 attempts to pass soda taxes, according to the American Beverage Association. Nearly all of those efforts have ended in defeat, including two previous attempts to pass the soda tax in Philadelphia. But last week's vote by Philadelphia City Council could change perceptions about what is politically possible elsewhere. Politicians and special interest groups in favor of higher taxes are already licking their chops at the idea. We hope that Baltimore will, okay, in Baltimore, Health Commissioner Lena Wen ins, yeah, issued a statement commending Philadelphia's new tax. We hope Baltimore will follow suit, she said. 
former New York asshat mayor, Michael Bloomberg, who once tried to ban big sodas in his hometown and financially backed a nonprofit that ran ads supporting the soda tax in Philadelphia, also sees the city as a launching site for other efforts. Philadelphia will almost certainly not be the last city to adopt a sugary drink sales tax, said Bloomberg in a statement. In fact, the question is not whether any city will follow suit, but rather how many and how quickly. In November, residents in San Francisco and Oakland, California will have a chance to vote on a similar tax on sugary beverages. Activists in Boulder, Colorado are hoping to get a soda tax on the ballot in November too. Before Philadelphia, the only city in the nation with a specific tax on soda was the progressive bastion of Berkeley, California. What happens in Berkeley might influence what happens in places like San Francisco and Boulder, but getting the soda tax on the books in Philadelphia opens a whole new set of possibilities for the pro-tax crowd. Dr. Jim Krieger, executive director of Healthy Food America, which favors taxes on soda and other unhealthy foods, said his organization is already hearing from local officials who want to follow in Philadelphia's footsteps. It's not just Berkeley anymore, he said. Indeed not. Although the circumstances that allowed the soda tax to become law in Philadelphia might be difficult, but not impossible to recreate in other cities. Melissa Bova, a spokeswoman for the Pennsylvania Restaurant and Lodging Association, which opposed the tax, chalked it up to a combination of newly elected mayor, uh, Jim Kenney won the post just last year, with a mandate and a good relationship with the city council. Instead of focusing on the tax as a nanny-ish effort to nudge Philadelphians towards healthy choices, the way a previous administration tried unsuccessfully to, in 2010, to sell the idea of a soda tax, Kenny made it a politically cunning move by openly admitting it was all about generating revenue for the city. Yeah, their, their soda tax is screwed up because it taxes sugary sodas and non-sugary sodas and beverages like iced teas, juices. Um, anything that might not be sugary also gets taxed at the same rate. Not even a difference in tax, but at the same rate. Um, the tax will be applied to soda, yes, but also fruit drinks, sweetened iced tea, and juices that contain less than 50% real fruit. The 1.5 cents per ounce tax would add about a dollar to the price of a 2-liter soda and more than $2 to the cost of a 12-pack of canned soda. The soda tax is projected to generate about $90 million annually, annually for the city's coffers. But half of that money will be used to fund an expansion of pre-K programs, a promise that bought the support of the city's teachers' union. Other promises about how to spend the money allowed Kenny to cobble together a coalition of interests in the tax, even against the vocal opposition of Philadelphia's powerful Teamsters' union. Much like the prior administration's much-ballyhooed tax on cigarettes, which Philadelphia consumers evaded by simply crossing the city borders to buy their tobacco products elsewhere, the same thing will happen with sugary drinks, warned Dan Grace, secretary treasurer of the Teamsters Union Locals for 830. Well, they rarely see eye to eye, a coalition of conservative groups essentially agreed with the Teamsters on that point. As Watchdog has reported, small grocery stores worry the new tax will drive consumers away since crossing the city line and shopping in the suburbs will be cheaper, while small businesses in the, in the city ponder how to apply the tax to soda fountains and will likely pass the higher costs on to consumers. Any other city that pursues a soda tax will also have to deal with the strange political alliance. The soda tax divided the Democratic politicians in the dark blue city. Ed Rendell, a former Philadelphia mayor and former Pennsylvania governor, has expressed skepticism. 
While it's true that sugary drinks are a health problem, so are cheeseburgers, Rendell's told a local radio show in March. So are donuts. Are we going to do a tax on sugary donuts at Dunkin' Donuts and Krispy Kreme? Are we going to tax cheeseburgers at McDonald's? U.S. Senator and Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders opposes the soda tax because he sees them as regressive taxes that fall most heavily on the poor. Hillary Clinton, I'm sorry, Hillary Clinton has supported the soda tax. Before jumping on the bandwagon, other cities might want to see what happens in Pennsylvania. Groups opposed to the um, opposed to the tax have already promised to challenge it in court, and there's the possibility the state legislature could preempt the act by passing legislation to block such municipal-level levies. Other cities should also wait to see whether Philadelphia gets the windfall it expects to reap from the new tax. Already the city plans to divert about half the revenue away from pre-K programs, potentially leaving them without the necessary funds to cover the expected $60 million annual cost. And the revenue could drop further if soda consumption in the city declines as it did in Berkeley after a one cent per ounce tax was applied. But city officials are mostly just seeing dollar signs and special interest groups are hoping that fiscal troubles will give policymakers another reason to consider higher taxes on sugary drinks. Nancy Brown, CEO of the American Heart Association, with which favors the sugar tax as a way to reduce obesity, said Philadelphia's vote could help blaze a trail for others to follow. As governors and mayors struggle with budgets and the high cost of chronic diseases, we urge them to consider taxes on sugary drinks as an effective strategy to fund much-needed health programs throughout their communities. Each of the soda taxes begun. Yeah, well, um... People like Christopher Snowden have been talking about this for quite a while. Yeah, well, because the UK has a has a sugar tax mm-hmm. on, only on um, caffeinated drinks, though. Really, in the UK, oh. our one's really weird. They they obviously didn't want to annoy the what's left of the middle class upwards. Because yeah, it's only really it's only really things like Coke, Pepsi, stuff like that. That's that's the stuff that got taxed here. Despite the fact that a Starbucks coffee has mm. just as much sugar in it as a can of Coke. Uh, no, no, that's that that doesn't count. The milk drinks <laughs> don't count uh, over here. So at least this one's fairly consistent. Still completely bonkers, but I don't know if it's consistent though because I've never heard of them. Because they amended this tax after yeah. the story was written. They amended it to include the non-sugary beverages. So, like, non-sugar sweet iced tea is going to be taxed at the yeah. same rate. And I, I love the mention of the Teamsters. It's like, how, how many trucks of soda <laughs> of the Teamsters got lined up to, to you know, it'll be a, Teamsters will be loving it. It's like they'll, they'll get to behave like they used to <laughs> under Prohibition. Yeah. Be sneaking stuff all around the country. Yeah, yeah. We can have a tanker of, of, you know, unflavored nicotine, a tanker of sugary sweetened juice. Yeah. This is, this is fucking ridiculous. This is ridiculous. When I can't pay my bills, do you know what I do? You cut back on something. I do. Yeah. When amazing. these fuckers, when these fuckers can't pay their bills, they never reduce the size of government. No. I don't understand how that works. Well, it's worse when it's. I mean, I've, I've, I've told you bits and pieces of it. I mean, local government is the same worldwide. Mm-hmm. 
you get a new mayor or new politicians in charge and they, they, they spend loads of money on big vanity projects and then <laughs> have to raise taxes to yeah. cover it because it costs more than they thought it would and yeah. and then the taxes don't work out so the cities end up going bankrupt and <laughs> yeah because right yeah. Uh, the, the biggest example of this is um in the world i would say okay. has to be edinburgh city council and the whole trams fiasco if anybody you'll find plenty of stuff online about it but basically, yeah, Edinburgh Council has got itself in the red for the next 40, 50 years. <laughs> just because they, they decided, despite having award-winning, I'll say that again, award-winning integrated transport already in the city, so the best bus services in Europe, they're like, no, no, we need to have uh, trams. <laughs> yeah, well... Best brilliance is the brilliance born of ignorance. Oh, Wasn't and much, much like with David Cameron, the people who came up with it then kind of left, Thorough. grabbed their their pension and left their jobs. Um, <laughs> you know, I um, I'm just blown away by this. So, yeah, um, maybe we'll talk about the border stuff. U.S. Customs wants to collect social media account names at the border. Please enter information associated with your online presence. Your Twitter handle may soon be part of U.S. visa processes. Yesterday, U.S. Customs and Border Protection entered a new proposal into the Federal Register, suggesting a new field in which persons entering the country can declare their various social media accounts and screen names. The information wouldn't be mandatory, but the proposed field will still provide customs officials with an unprecedented window into the online life of travelers. The process already includes fingerprinting, an in-person interview, and numerous database checks. The proposal focuses on arrival slash departure forms. Hang on just a second here. Um, sorry about that, folks. I'm back. Um, the proposal focuses on arrival departure forms commonly collected from non-citizens at the U.S. border, as well as electronic forms used for anyone entering the country under a visa waiver. Under the proposed changes, those forms would include a new optional data field prompting visitors to please enter information associated with your online presence, followed by open fields for specific platforms and screen names. It's unclear from the proposal how thoroughly officials will examine the social profiles, although it's clear they will be used for investigative purposes. Collecting social media data will enhance the existing investigative process and provide the Department of Homeland Security greater clarity and visibility to possible nefarious activity and connections, the announcement reads. I wonder if they do the same for their employees. The public has 60 days to comment on the new proposal before it will be formally considered. Comments can be mailed to Customs and Border Patrol at its Washington office. Immigration and intelligence agencies have been under increasing pressure to scrutinize social media profiles after the San Bernardino shooting in December of last year. One of the attackers had posted a public announcement on Facebook during the shooting and had previously sent private messages, Facebook messages, to friends discussing violent attacks. Crucially, the private messages were sent before receiving her visa. 
That news provoked some criticism, although investigators would have needed significantly more than a screen name to see the messages. State Department officials claim to be reviewing the visa application process in the wake of the attacks. So what they're basically saying is if you want to travel to the United States, set up a Facebook account, called, <laughs> well, a Facebook page called None of Your Fucking Business. <laughs> None yeah. <laughs> have, have an email address, a Hotmail address or a Gmail address, the same. And so when you <laughs> enter the media stuff... <laughs> <laughs> You'll have, but yeah, the way it works, some idiot would be sitting there in the office going, oh, and go and look up none of your fucking business. <laughs> I don't know. I live in Nunya, Lima, Peru. Just ask Facebook. Yeah, I live in a cave. Yeah. I <laughs> okay. So, this is from last year. This is from, what is it, 20, December 12, 2015, I believe. Gun owners running into roadblocks over doctor's approvals. In Hawaii, Second Amendment rights are subject to a note from a would-be firearm owner's doctors, but some HMOs aren't playing along, leaving gun owners in limbo. In a state with some of the strictest gun laws in the nation, to include an assault weapon ban, I wish they wouldn't call it that, and an almost absolute no-issue policy for concealed carry licenses, those who want to simply buy or own a gun first have to obtain a permit to do so from their local law enforcement agency. For many, this means a trip to the Honolulu Police Department. Besides the lengthy application process that involves fingerprints, federal and local background checks, proof of firearms training and citizenship, questionnaires and waivers to allow physicians and mental health providers to release private information, HPD is now asking those healthcare professionals to sign a note certifying that the permit applicant shall own, possess, or control any firearm or ammunition and has been medically documented to be no longer adversely affected by addiction, abuse, dependence, mental disease, disorder, or defect. This final step, as reported by Hawaii News Now, has created a morass of liability concerns from insurers and HMO such as Kaiser Permanente and Straub, that has led to healthcare providers, instead of signing the statement, sending the applicant's full metal file to the Honolulu Police for review. The police department is the only organization who can evaluate an individual's fitness to acquire or own a firearm. Healthcare organization providers do not make these evaluations, explains a statement from Kaiser Permanente officials. In a catch-22, HPD says they do not want to review the files and make a medical determination on their own, insisting the doctor sign off on the statement. The result in these cases, since the application cannot be completed, it will not be granted, and since a permit is required to own or purchase a firearm, the applicant is left with an empty gun rack. While no one could claim not to have a physician in such a case, it would expose them to potential felony charges down the road from lying on the application. In at least one apparent case, a male was denied a permit based on some diabetic counseling he received. I've been a legal gun owner since 91, rifle, shotgun, pistols, I even own an AR-15, no problem. All of a sudden, problem, one gun owner told local media. Guns right activists, advocates caution that authorities are on thin ice with new demands of a legal challenge, and a legal challenge is growing. HPD has overstepped its authority because of Kaiser and Straub's refusal to comply with permanent stature. 
Dr. Max Cooper, the legislative liaison for the Hawaii Rifle Association, told Guns.com on Monday, the only recourse at present seems to be a lawsuit brought against those providers in HPD. One is planned. So there was that from a year ago. Um, I, I understand Hawaii has... Hawaii is a... is a paradise run by a certain kind of person. The same kind of people that run California. Yeah. Well, you mean insane people. Mm-hmm. Beautiful place, but just look at their vaping laws. Look at their yeah. smoking laws. Look at All how... Laws. Well, yeah, Hawaii's exactly. more... Hawaii is the United States equivalent of North Korea. Pretty much. So I understand... You can't do anything in Hawaii without somebody complaining about it. Yeah. Well... Unless you're a tourist, uh, at which point mm-hmm. they're just showing you grass skirts and flowers and hoping you don't notice that you can't do half the stuff you'd normally be able to do at home. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I kind of, they did something else this week, but they, they just did something else. I'm not, I'm not entirely comfortable with it. From a privacy rights perspective, from a human rights perspective, I'm, I'm really uncomfortable with this. This comes from Jurist. Uh, jurist is like the, the paper chase. I don't know if anyone ever... Does anybody know what Paper Chase is? It's kind of written for legal people. It's written kind of by law students for legal people. Uh, A Hawaii governor signs a bill to put gun owners on FBI database. That was Friday, June 24th, 2016 at 1.23 p.m. Hawaii Governor David Aigi signed a bill... Tuesday, I'm sorry, Thursday, requiring gun owners to be listed on an FBI database, notifying police if Hawaii citizen is arrested in another state. The legislation, SB 2954, serves to provide a continuous criminal record check on individuals seeking to possess a firearm. According to Ike, the purpose of the bill is to evaluate whether the firearm owner may continue to legally possess firearms, and he hopes the so-called ratback system will better enable Hawaii's law enforcement agencies to ensure the security of all Hawaii residents and visitors to Hawaii. The governor also signed two other bills, one that lists harassment by stalking and sexual assault as offenses that disqualify one from purchasing and keeping a firearm, and another that requires owners deemed unqualified due to behavioral, emotional, or mental disorder, or emergency, or involuntary hospitalization to a psychiatric facility to surrender their firearms and ammunition to the chief of police. Why is the first state to sign such a system into centralized information system into law? Gun control and the Second Amendment continue to be controversial topics, and gun awareness has risen in the recent shootings across the nation. Last month, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit held that the Second Amendment protects the right to buy and sell guns. In February, the U.S. Supreme Court heard arguments in a case addressing firearm possession for people convicted of domestic violence misdemeanors. In January, U.S. President Barack Obama announced executive actions on gun control. In November, an appellate court in Wisconsin ruled a state law that prohibits possession of certain knives violates the Second Amendment right to bear arms. I just... 
I picked it from Paper Chase just because it links out to everything. And I yeah. don't know if anybody, I will grab the link and put it into chat. Um, Paper Chase is, is going to be one of the, the better sources for you to like look at this stuff from. Uh, I'm uncomfortable with being put on an FBI watch list. Yeah. I have a problem with that. I, you know, I think there are other steps with having the police look at your medical records and, you know, everything. Yeah, I mean, they already I have think that's stricter controls than loads of other places. So I, why do they need to have this as well? I, mean, I think insane. that's maybe more than plenty. It's, it's overkill. Um, so yeah, I just thought that was, I guess, important to know. Um, and then are the, you know, the way they work, the FBI, Mr. Corny will now, <laughs> now use this as an excuse. Oh, we should have this in every state. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, was he not talking about that already anyway? Yeah. Wanting a gun ownership database for the FBI. I'm sure he's brought that up before. Oh yeah. Well, I'm sure it's part of Mr. I live in I live in a fairy tale land where everything is perfect and everything is possible. Maybe that's it. He holidays so much in Hawaii. In Hawaii. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of brainwashed. I kind of think Hawaii's going to be like Michael Bloomberg's wet dream. You know, they have so many rules against everything. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a beautiful place and I understand wanting to keep it pristine, but their laws are kind of, they're kind of more than overkill. Yeah. They're, they're overkill so, and they're way overkill. So I'd yeah. say if, if you want a Polynesian paradise to go and visit, go to Fiji instead. It's not <laughs> as big. It's not quite as fancy, but they're friendlier and don't have crazy laws. Okay, they've got some crazy laws, but nowhere near as many crazy laws as Hawaii. Yeah. Um... The, the other reason I linked out to the Juris paper chase is because I thought the Wisconsin knife case would be of interest to people because that's the first time I've ever seen, you know, a positive ruling about carrying a switchblade, which is basically frowned on most times. Is there illegal so, in the UK? Not so much in Wisconsin. <laughs> you need something to slice the cheese with. <laughs> Oh no, we're allowed plenty of knives. They just have weird restrictions on the type of folding knives you can have. Um, you guys stilettos are allowed... are illegal over here as well. You guys and are gravity allowed... blades. You guys are allowed knives, but you have to be carted to buy a fucking butter knife at Tesco. Yeah. I mean that's kind of a problem, right? I mean that's ridiculous. I've never had a problem. Well, I know, but I'm just saying it's it's kind of overkill. Some yeah. some kid in Tesco got carted buying fucking spoons, spoons yeah. for fucking. It must be said though. I I I did work with somebody that worked in a department store security position, and which he he got fired from his position. Get, get this. Um, so there's a guy who shoplifted, okay. and he was trying to stop the guy, and the guy ran off. So being a security guy, he chased him. The guy went into the homeware section and picked up a kitchen knife. And the, the, you know, to defend himself from the security guard trying to grab him to give to the police. So, and the reason why my friend lost his job 
Uh, he took one of the big water fire extinguishers off the wall and smacked the guy in the head with it. <laughs> oh, you've got a knife, have you? Whap. <laughs> Lost his job. Excessive violence. So the guy was holding a knife on me. What was he supposed to do? <laughs> I don't know. All I've, all I'm, kind of say about ridiculous restrictions like this. Um, I've been attacked violently, and had I been armed at the time. I would have been able to save myself a lot of grief, a lot of medical bills, and a lot of misery. Um, so, I'm not against people being armed. I'm against the government being overarmed. Yeah. I think it creates a hostile living environment. And I think that hostile living environment that you see from the federal agencies has an almost contagion type effect. You can see it trickle down into relations we have with other people, even in the streets. And I think that's a problem. I think before federal agencies started heavily arming themselves like this, we didn't have nearly as many problems with these type of situations that we do now. Um, well, I mean, there was some report a while ago, um, it was after Irish peace, <laughs> Northern Irish peace, should I say, and before Islamic terrorism kicked off. And they were doing, you know, you know, you get these polls of, you know, happiness levels and place, <laughs> nice places to live, right. and London, you know, shot up the list, and people put it down to the fact that yeah, they're no longer seeing heavily armed police wandering about all over the place. See, I mean, that's it. It, create, it creates a hostile environment to live in. When yeah. you see a police officer and your automatic response is to be afraid, that's a problem. When yeah. I was growing up, cops were peace officers. There was a big difference. They were, like, officer-friendly. Um, well, see, I had, I, had a, like I grew up in a weird town where Everyone was afraid of the police, but it was because of the one policeman, the six foot eleven police sergeant. <laughs> yeah, if you saw him coming towards you, yeah, your natural response has to be, "Oh shit," because <laughs> there's a mountain heading in your direction. <laughs> he was a really friendly guy and everything, and but yeah, you, you, you know the the scene from Twins, you know Arnold Schwarzenegger just picks the guy up and holds yeah. him there. I've seen that done by this policeman. Picked, you know, guy guy was trying to hit the police, hit him, so he just picked him up and held him. And the guy couldn't kick or punch him because the guy's arms were so damn long, you know. It's, yeah. So yeah, but yeah, armed armed police, not I, yeah, it does I, not create uh, a nice feeling have, in a community. I don't have a problem with police being armed. I don't no. have a problem with them protecting themselves. I have a problem with my FBI being armed. My, my librarian apparently. My FDA, uh, my my school board. I have a yeah. problem with the Social Security Administration being armed. I have a problem with these people that don't deal with violent individuals on a regular basis, being trained by a fucking SWAT team. Yeah. 
Okay, well, I can almost even, understand the IRS. If they're even getting that Woody Harrelson's training. dad, that changed the game for everything. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you're saying trained by SWAT teams. Yeah, if you're lucky. They say we have these highly trained officers. Yeah, show us what training scheme you're putting them through, Let me please. tell you something. If if I were, if I were a crazier person, I would tell you that things like this make me think that there's almost a 100% certainty that the government is pretty sure we're going to turn on. But before that can happen, they want to make us turn on each other. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, can I prove that? No, but my intuition isn't always wrong on this stuff. And I have a real problem with it. There's no... There's no need for why does the Department of Gra Engraving and Printing need to be heavily armed? Dangerous, those uh, carving tools. <laughs> you know, NIST. One, one of their staff could go crazy and pick up one of the chisels. And really NIST, my God, they're the Department of Statistics and Measures. Why do they need to be armed? I'm telling you, this stuff... Dangerous, creates... those empty bottles when you're measuring how much is in them. Yeah. Somebody could actually, break one and have a go at you. Yeah. Actually, NIST is pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I've seen, like, photos in the inside of NIST, and they have, like, they have measures and weights of, of everything. So they yeah. have, like, a standardized jar of peanut butter, and this is what it should weigh, and, and all this stuff is made for them. Yeah. And it, it's interesting stuff. It yeah, we've really got a similar is. body over here, weights and measures. Right. But, yeah. What I, what I'm saying is there's no there's no need of them being armed. Yeah. They had a they had a one off with the meth guy. Okay, that shit happens. Apparently. That that was just with an employee who government. got real bored. Let's face it. Um. Yeah, this guy wanted to be Walter White and decided to turn an emptiness building. But uh, this this is a good laugh for you, right? So I I mean. It upsets some people in the UK, but yeah, I worked for six months as a parking attendant, mm -hmm. traffic warden. Never a light responsibility. So we'd be going about in our uniforms. But they also have something in British cities called community officers. Right. Now, these are people who work for the local council, mm -hmm. and they're there to give people tickets for dropping litter and that kind of thing, right? So you've got them going about. So we're in our high-vis vests, peak cap, all that kind of thing. Then you had them. They were in their high-vis vests with a stab vest. And you're like, <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. We're the ones that people <laughs> attack and abuse all the time. Why is it those stupid fuckers <laughs> that have got the, the stab vests? <laughs> it's... It's oh, ridiculous. and we used to go about individually, and they always had to go everywhere in pairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well. yeah, the world's a screwed-up place. The other it's like thing, the, the guy, the guy whose responsibility is telling somebody off for dropping litter gets a stab vest, <laughs> but the guy who can potentially get head butted, car driven over them by a crazy motorist, no, they they don't get one. <laughs> yeah. Well. You know, generally speaking, your police aren't even armed. Correct? Yes. 
Um, okay. I mean, all, they most are. Of do, most of them do carry pepper spray these days. Right, but I'm um, saying they're not generally armed, and, and they do have nightstick type. Right, but I mean, bottles. generally speaking, it's not like it is here, and you also don't have as your, you know, we have some. I'm not blaming this on the police. I, I don't want to. This is not their fault. But when the Supreme Court said, you can hire any idiot to be a cop you want, that also created a problem. Yeah, here, everybody's got to do long training. Right. There's a, I had a friend who was a normal policeman who mm-hmm. then went on to be a weapons officer. And that was another... You know, he'd spent... I think it was, I think it was two years doing his basic training and specialization, and then he decided to become a weapons officer. And that was another (laughs) year of training. Sure. I mean, here's, there's a difference. Here you do seem of a lot, over over your way, you do seem of a lot of places where it's like, oh, you want to be in the police. Basic background check, here's your gun. Go out and do police stuff. You know. Really? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you do have you do have police colleges over there, but a lot of places don't seem to use them, which is no. incredibly worrying. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like the standards have lowered, and yeah. um, a really interesting book to read if you don't think that the police state is oppressive and is creating a sort of a culture of not just fear but a culture of hostility, pitting person against person is Rise of the Warrior Cop by Radley yeah. Balbo. That's quite quite the read. Um, well, I mean, you'll, you'll the, dif- get a lot the difference in police videos between countries is quite impressive. Because yeah, if you look up police incidents in the US, yeah, you know what you're going to find. I don't need to tell you. And then, and then you get videos from the UK. It's hilarious. Right, I think I told you about this one. The guy who's local... Basically, security guards told the guy he couldn't be f- taking photographs where he was, even mm-hmm. though it was a public road, nothing to do with what he, mm-hmm. these guys. Right. And they called the police on him. And over here, yeah, the police get intensive training and have have to know the law. You know, they don't get let to be policemen unless they know the law. Weird no. thought, I know, but you know. <laughs> um, no. So the police Here's... turned up. The yeah. photographer explained what he was doing. And the police just went, yeah, carry on. Walked away again. <laughs> Here, Very angry if... looking security guards across the road. Because the police didn't just drag the guy away. Because we well, didn't like him taking photographs. You know, I mean, here, if you take a photograph outside of a federal building, you can be questioned. Yeah. When I say this kind of stuff creates a hostile living environment, it really does. And it spreads like a contagion. Yes. I mean, I think people don't recognize that fact, but it's really true. I mean, socially, you can see it. You can feel it. If you're in a big city, right, the air is very oppressive now. It's not like it used to be. And I don't go to the big city often, but now I don't go at all. And now whenever I see a cop, I'm about to crap my damn pants. And... The problem is here, I mean, they're sheriffs, but they're still getting some of that indoctrination, too. Yeah. That's a problem. And they're getting shitloads of weapons from the DHS. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the warrior cop thing. Program. The warrior cop thing. Too many yeah. of them end up with a, what I call God syndrome. I can do oh. no wrong. I'm the one in charge. It's like, uh, a lot yeah. of these people wind up as police officers. They wanted to be in the military. Yeah. And they couldn't make it. And a lot of them wind up being police officers. Or a lot of people who are ex-military wind up being police officers. And that's not really... It's not really problem but i think normalizing from oh my god somebody's gonna kill me 24 7 to a normal beat cop is a very different thing it's a very different atmosphere and i would not imagine that that's easy yeah. well i mean when when done properly which mm -hmm. <laughs> countries don't do anymore um it can work really well i say there's a huge difference now and the way ex-military are treated. Mm -hmm. When my father, in the UK they call it demobbing, when he was leaving the army, he had three months of not being active duty anywhere mm -hmm. and basically being taught how to behave in society again. Yeah. But they don't because do that anymore. Uh, they just chuck him out on the street. And people really... It's like really war zone, next day... There you're wondering home. about <laughs> it's like, yeah and yeah. It, it it's crazy it really is because you really do need to i don't want to say desensitize but you need to get used to the fact that being the around people who aren't trying to kill you all kill the time you. Yeah. Exactly. i mean the war generally speaking did not follow you home um and, and that's a really hard thing for people to be taught this is why well, I mean, as I say, I, can, I see it especially because, obviously, my father, ex-Special Forces. Mm -hmm. So he had the most intense training you could possibly have. Mm -hmm. had, I know he killed people because yeah. <laughs> of where he'd been uh, and the dates he'd been there. Uh, mm -hmm. So I know he'd killed people. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, they did this three months, you know, desensitizing him and all that. And starting his brain back out, basically. But then, once I was grown up, I had friends who joined the military. Uh, I had a guy I know was in Bosnia. You know how nasty that was. Yes. And yeah, he he left the military. He didn't get any of that. No. And yeah, he ended up as basically a, a stoner who got in yeah. fights every weekend, you know, getting drunk. Because, yeah, he just couldn't cope with what he saw in the military and then just thrown on the street afterwards. That's not the way to deal with people. Don't get me wrong. Military gives people a sense of purpose. There's a sense of honor. There's a sense of tradition. There's a reason why you do everything you do. Well, moder modern military, you can get college degrees and a decent right. education in the military. True, Unfortunately, but saying, you, know, you can also end up being a, a, a sociopath. Well, right, but I mean, there's reason and tradition and, and there's a reason for everything you do and everything is the way it is for a reason. And, yeah. you know, it's not when you get back home, it's not really like that. So um, desensitizing people would be the ideal way to go, but here... We can't even be asked to fucking give our veterans health care. Yeah. 
Well, uh, US and the UK, all the after-army services are now done by charity, not by the actual government anymore. It's insane. It's This is not how it's supposed to work. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we've heard my uh, viral contagion theory on why, you know, so many things have happened. But, yeah, I promised we'd talk about the rabbit. <laughs> As, that's going to be my last story. And then uh, perhaps it's time for some pie. Can you get to the, the portion of that one story where he's just ranting? Oh, pie. Yeah, pie. Yeah, hang on. Just Mr. Uh, pie. This is the the referendum special, you mean, not yeah. the post. Yeah. Well, That'll explain. Can we just Where are you where are you from, mate? Just outside Athens. Ah, Greece. Yeah. This yeah, is IMF, forward get together. Okay. Um, you guys don't like this, sense. I think. It's well, I, I never said I was pro EU. Suppose right, your here we opinion go. of EU. Okay. Right. This explains the let me do the rabbit story really quick yeah. and then get ready for kind of a laugh. Okay. The Fed's state-of-the-art bioterrorism program hasn't uncovered anything more threatening than a dead rabbit. For terrorist organizations like the Islamic State, Washington, D.C. is the number one target for obvious reasons. It is the heart of U.S. operations, it is the home of the president, and it has avoided a major terror attack. Part of this is thanks to expensive counterterrorism programs that are in place to stop anything from a nightclub shooting to an improvised nuclear device. But in this day and age, the threat to the capital is more likely to come from a lone wolf attacker. Despite the enormous budget that goes towards thwarting a handful of dedicated terrorists, former Pentagon official Michael Sheenan told Newsweek that the country needs to scale back on the obscene spending that goes towards activities that have a very marginal impact on our safety. Take, for example, the bioterrorism program. Since 2003, taxpayers have contributed $1.3 billion to the Fed's BioWatch program, a network of pathogen detectors deployed in D.C. and 33 other cities. The BioWatch program was a mistake from the start, a former top federal emergency medicine official tells Newsweek on conditions of anonymity, saying he fears retaliation from the government for speaking out. There's a shocker. The well-known problems with the detectors, he says, are both highly technical and practical. Any sort of thing can blow into its filter papers, and then you are wrapping yourself around an axle, trying to figure out if it's real. Or if, or of the 149 suspected pathogen samples collected by BioWatch detectors nationwide, he reports, none were a threat to public health. A 2003 Tuluma alarm in Texas was traced to a dead rabbit. A program meant to detect cargo for radiation is also imprecise. False positives from such naturally radiating material as kitty litter, bananas, and ceramics drove operators crazy, reducing the sense of urgency among those who respond to them, the Nuclear Threat Initiative said as relayed by Newsweek. Between May 2001 and March 2005, there were reportedly 10,000 false alarms. Well, tax dollars you know, work. <clears throat> hey, hey, at, at the worst, maybe it was the rabbit from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> Vicious, That's them rabbits. Yeah. Scary fucking rabbit. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so, the, the detectors are, they're getting better year on year, but yeah, they're <laughs> not precise. I am unsurprised bananas set them off, though. Uh, uh, 
Um, They're quite radioactive. You know, I think most people don't know that clay is radioactive. Yeah. Yeah, but it is. Yes. Also, very good medicine for, oddly enough, radiation poisoning. Because yes. it absorbs it. Yeah. So that's yeah. why clay is radioactive. Exactly. Because <laughs> normally clay is found in areas where you have bedrock of the um, granite varieties. Uh, hence, and since granite is very radioactive, <laughs> yeah, the clay absorbs it. So, I know that. I come from Scotland. <laughs> we have areas with rich clay soil right next to all that nice radioactive granite. Wee. And yeah, Scottish people are slightly more radioactive than average people. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So we'd set off their damn alarms. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. So the reason we talked about doing this earlier is, is I didn't I didn't understand what the EU referendum was really about. And from my perspective, I think good on you telling them to go piss up a rope. But I guess from another perspective, it would be, um, Jonathan Pike can explain it best. I think I've got about the area. Right, okay. hang on. Here we go. Uh, well, I, th I think I'm for staying in, I think. Why? Uh, well, um, I'm left-wing by nature. Oh, but I why are you people always on about left-wing or right-wing? It's got bugger nothing to do with anything. Ooh, do you, do, have you got a mint? How can you call yourself left-wing if you are pro-EU? It makes no fucking sense! Well, I, I never said I was pro-EU as such. You want in, and yet you say you are socialist. EU. Anti-democratic. Pro-corporation. Big elitist bastard. Leave him alone, Alex. Thank you. Um, listen, I didn't mean to talk down to you earlier. I He's just... right, you know. You can't really call yourself a socialist if... You're only voting in because you don't trust the Tories. What? That's what you loony left say, isn't it? If you vote leave, you hand more power to the Tories. And what's wrong with that argument? Because it's a fucking ridiculous reason to stay. What? Sorry, it's just such a crap argument. Why? I hate it. All these people saying, if we leave, we'll be handing more power to the Tories. Well, I'm sorry, we voted them in. I might not like it, but that's democracy. It's a crap reason to stay. If you want to stay, stay for the right reasons, because we're stronger as a collective. Bollocks. Because we can protect workers' rights more effectively. No, you can't. Tackle environmental problems together. Ugh, Yes, protect our business interests together. It's just such a crap argument to say that you would rather have an unelected foreign committee making decisions on our behalf rather than our elected government just because you happen not to personally vote for them. I didn't say I didn't vote for them. You voted Tory. None of your business who I voted for. Whether you're out, whether you're in. You in? You butchered crazy. Shut it, kebab boy. What I'm saying is that... So, sorry, you did vote Tory or you didn't vote? I am so confused. Of course you are, Jonathan. The reason you're confused is you're the sort of person who thinks it's appropriate to ask the makeup girl for a cup of tea while staring at her tits and playing with your balls and making assumptions about her voting record based on fuck all! I wasn't looking at her tits! Oh, and earlier, you weren't talking down to me. I'm talking down to you. I'm going to decide how far and willing I am to talk down to your level. Right, I wasn't looking at your tits, and I, I misjudged the tea thing and the makeup girl comment. It, it was meant to be a joke, and I'm sorry about my sweaty balls. It happens when I'm nervous. I, I literally thought a nice hot cup of tea would be a nice visual aid. It's, it's my first day, and I wanted to put my stamp on things. And with regards to the EU, yes, I'm confused. Of course I'm confused. How can you not be? Because the media's narrative is all about who's fighting who and who's going to be on the winning side. Uh, without any actual information. How can you possibly make an informed decision unless you're properly informed? Alex, 
you're right. The EU, it's all about trade, the free market, capitalism, basically. There is nothing socialist about it, apart from the reasonable argument that we are stronger collectively. But the economic benefits, they are hard to ignore. There are three million jobs in this country that rely on trade with the EU. What happens to them if we leave? What happens if we restrict freedom of movement? What do we do about labour shortages? But if we sustain immigration at its present level, what happens to public services? Will the NHS be able to cope? If you are a business that deals with the rest of Europe, the EU is great for you. Free movement of trade, free movement of people, resources, free movement of money, pretty much. It makes it easier for you to exploit the little person to make your business more money. But if you're a business that doesn't deal with Europe, competing with someone like China, the EU is a disaster because you've got things like living wages, workers' rights, health and safety. It makes it harder for you to exploit the little person to make your business more money. So either way, in or out, the little person is getting fucked up by someone somewhere. The real problem that no one is willing to admit is that nobody knows what will happen if we do leave because nobody's ever done it before. But nobody knows what will happen if we stay. If we stay, will we be forced to sign TTIP, which, if we do, will be the death knell of the NHS. The Remain people say we should stay in to reform the EU. Well, history tells us that simply isn't going to fucking happen. Labour and the left, they have always traditionally been anti-EU, or as it was, the EEC. But now we are in this ridiculous situation situation where the traditional left-wing view is only being argued from a right-wing standpoint by political jesters like Boris Johnson and Nigel Farage. And because everyone thinks UKIP are a bunch of racists, old-school lefties like me are scared of being pro-Brexit by association, even though the Tories and Labour were both overtly anti-immigration in their last manifestos. No-one accused them of being racist. Labour even put it on a fucking mug. This whole debate, if you can call it a debate, this whole debate has been about fear-mongering, hasn't it? Nicola Sturgeon, she says Brexit will trigger another Scottish referendum. Fear. Nigel Farage says we'll be swamped with immigrants. Fear. Labour's Keir Starmer says that staying in will protect us against terrorist attacks. Fear. Boris Johnson even wrote an article with the headline, don't be taken in by Project Fear, staying in the EU is the risky choice. Fear or fear? Would you like some fear with your fear? The level of debate has been terrifying. It has exposed everything that is wrong with politics. Donald Tusk says Brexit will bring about the destruction of Western political civilization in its entirety. Fuck off. Boris Johnson says that Hitler would have been pro-Remain. Really? What about Stalin or Genghis Khan? Uh, Jesus, Gordon the Gopher. I wonder if Captain fucking Birdseye would have been pro-Brexit. Cameron says Brexit could bring about World War III. Really? If that were true, why would you ever give the great British public the option of voting for something that could destroy the planet? He also says that ISIS are pro-Brexit. Like they give a... Fuck! I always thought ISIS wanted the wholesale destruction of Western civilization as we know it. But no, silly me, like Captain Birdseye, they're only interested in our fishing quotas. Once again, a national political debate has descended into farce. The left have completely abandoned their principles to support a body that conspires to help massive corporations, many of which we know have got their beady little eyes on our public services, including our NHS. But the left, they want want us to stay. And the right, they made the whole debate about personality over politics. Who can tell the most lies in the most charismatic way? Vote leave and you are supporting Boris Johnson or Michael Gove. Vote stay and you're supporting David Cameron. Cameron or Johnson? Fuck me, what a choice. You are caught between the devil and the deep blue twats. <sighs> Hello? 
I thought we were having a debate about the EU. Yeah, it's all, all very interesting, Jonathan. Yeah, now here's your tea. Oh, thank you. OK, thank we've you. got one minute to oh, air. shit, I fucking... Stand up. Hey, hey, hey. Nothing to be nervous about, OK? Very handsome. Thank you. Fifteen seconds! Mm. Well... Oh. Fuck! Shit, um... That's why we don't love... I thought that was pretty concise. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you want the post-vote bit as well? It's much shorter. Sure. People might find it entertaining. It... it... <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Pye is nothing if not entertaining. Yeah, here we go. Well, that is it for our coverage of the referendum. The media circus is almost at an end and the sun is beginning to set here on Westminster and it sets on a Westminster that will never quite be the same again. But we will be back to normal tomorrow at the usual time, 6am. Mark and Rachel on the sofa join us then. But for the time being, it's good evening from me. Ah, oh, thank fuck for that. That was worse than a general election. At least in an election, you know what you're voting for. This, this was just guesswork. Oh, what an odd day. All these politicians walking around with the same look on their face. It's exactly, it's that, it's that post-orgasm. I call it the shame, because obviously the only sexual contact I get these days is between myself and my computer. But you know, you know that feeling, you've just finished off, you look round, you realise the dog has been watching the whole sordid act, he's looking at you all sort of, and then suddenly your mum or Evan Davis is Skyping, and before you know it, you've answered, and you're chatting away, and you've got, you've got jizz all over your hands, and you just feel disgusting, and and that is how Westminster feels today. Just this air of post-wank shame. Doesn't matter what side you're on, because, you know, I mean, the whole thing was always going to be a lose-lose situation. And, of course, the biggest loser was political integrity. The, the whole of Westminster just needs a Kleenex. Just needs to mop up after itself over the last couple of months. It needs, just get the Febreze out, change the sheets, uh, pretend the whole thing didn't happen. It was just a dream. It didn't happen. Uh, uh, it didn't happen Boris Johnson on the hustings mumbling something about selling chocolate cake to France. It was just a weird dream. And then suddenly Bob Geldof turned up and he was, he was chasing, ch chasing Nigel Farage down the Thames on a boat. It was, it was just a dream. And then suddenly you're watching Question Time. But it isn't Question Time because it's at Wembley Arena. But instead of it being busted with 20,000 screaming girls, it's David Dimbleby with 20,000 screaming racists. Uh, it's just a dream. It didn't happen. And it, what definitely didn't happen is no one used the murder of an MP to persuade others to vote one way or the other. That didn't happen because that would be morally repugnant. Oh, you'd, you'd be hard-pressed to find an MP who didn't have some sense of shame today, whether it be Corbyn on the left, you know, totally abandoning their principles to support the EU, or the right, just, just shit-slinging. They were just fucking slinging shit, weren't they? Corbyn... Well, I'm sort of having a go. He did all right, because he, he sort of kept his mouth shut, didn't he? he of course, he, he hates the EU, but he had to pretend to be pro-Remain so that his party didn't collapse like a shit souffle. Whereas, whereas the Tories, it's like end of days. Today, it's like the end of a Greek tragedy. There is blood and bodies everywhere. The whole of Westminster is just covered in blood, shit and jizz. It's dripping off Big Ben. And the irony is, I should, I should enjoy the result because I should enjoy looking at David Cameron's stupid, shocked, defeated face. But the problem is, is that I'm just shitting my pants about who's going to replace him. Luckily, no one can smell the shit in my pants because the whole place smells of shit and jizz and blood. So, uh, um, what, what's my call time tomorrow, Tim?
Yes. <laughs> well, that's that's politics in a nutshell. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. I find Jonathan Pye hilarious. Yes. And politically, well, I don't always agree with him. But well, it is notable that he was solely on YouTube for ages, but now he's actually been picked up by a network. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, actually... His stuff appears on RTUK every Friday. So, and that's before it ever goes to social media anywhere. So, yeah. Oh, I He's... will say, did you notice the, the, before the election, John Oliver? Yeah, the UK didn't get to see his uh, show. <laughs> I bet <laughs> they did. That would have broken the electioneering rules. RTUK. RT has a bunch of different um, offices. Yeah. There's RT America. RT America used to have Abby Martin show. Uh, they don't anymore. Breaking the set used to be on there. Um, RT UK has Jonathan Pye and, and a bunch of people from the UK. Um, that's also pretty good. It's different news than you'll get on any of the British broadcasting networks very interesting just like rt america is very interesting i know all these places are supposed to have some sort of bias but i don't really think so i think you get a better grasp on what the news really is if well, you one watch of, one of their best right? outlets is rt russia weirdly uh, <laughs> so you get lots of news on there that never shows up in the main media in your own country well, I, here's the thing. I know you say you only get RT, but let me let me go find some. Some of the shows are shown on all the different RTs, but yeah, they're very localized. You normally only yeah. see the local stuff. Yeah, I mean, here, for instance, is the Facebook page for RT America. Uh, you can get RT... RT America, RT UK, RT Saudi Arabia, RT whatever you want, just by going and searching it. They live stream it. A um, lot of things, it's on YouTube as well. A lot of their yes. stuff goes on YouTube. So exactly. I mean, you can pretty if you want to see a news source that is not the usual, which is basically the rehashing of you know, all the American stuff. You can find it. It's out there. It exists. And it's important to be exposed to different opinions and different thoughts. It is. And like I said, I mean, I don't agree with everything I read or see or hear, but it, it's good to see different viewpoints because I'm not getting that from my traditional American media. Um, and well, I think yeah, it's most, a lot of your media is owned by the same people that owns a lot of our media. Yeah. Yeah, Murdoch and his friends. Yeah, so, so yeah. you know, when <laughs> when the counter to, <laughs> to Murdoch and, and all those wonderful people is Putin, <laughs> that's pretty bad. That's pretty well, bad that you have to go that far afield. One reason why RT Russia is better is... Putin really doesn't give a shit, so RT Russia can basically do anything they want because Putin doesn't care. <laughs> I don't know that. I don't know that they can do anything they want. No, the, if they go too far, he will kill them. But, um, um, but you know what I mean. He's yeah. he's he he is so in power 
that, yeah, he doesn't care what a bunch of journalists say. Can I just recommend also for, actually, for people who... I like Chris Hedges, okay? He's an, an anarcho-syndicalist, which means that workers should own means of production, basically. Uh, and his show is on Telosur. I'm not an anarcho-syndicalist, but I, I like being exposed to different ideas. And Chris Hedges is very smart, and his show is on Telosur. Um, very good show. Uh, Abby Martin has a show on there called The Empire Files, which breaks down individual portions of the United States history that you wouldn't get to hear about otherwise. It's also very good. Um, she has a podcast called Media Roots, also very good. Um, I don't tend to get my news from right-wing news sources. I don't tend to get them from left-wing news sources. I tend to try and get a balanced view of what I'm talking about. So I'll listen to and watch anything, everything read anything and everything and and sort through it all and try to find the truth at the bottom of it. So it's all out there. You can find anything you want and the interwebs are wonderful until of course Donald Trump talks, you know, Bill Gates <laughs> into shutting them completely down. So um, Muppets and Advert because <laughs> I think we I think I tortured people enough today. Okay. Well, that is it for our oh. coverage of the... <laughs> that actually is Why do it. we always come here? I guess we'll never know. It's like a kind of torture to have to watch the show. Why spend hours searching for in-stock ammunition when you can use AmmoSeek.com? AmmoSeek.com is a search engine for finding ammunition, reloading components, magazines, and guns for more than 300 calibers at more than 60 online retailers. AmmoSeek.com only shows items that are in stock and readily available for shipping. You can search by caliber, grains, manufacturer, and more. The results are displayed by cost per round, so you are able to get the very best pricing on your ammunition of choice. Find ammunition at the best prices, fast. Amoseek.com. Thanks. Thanks for listening, you guys. Have a nice night. See you next week. <laughs>